Christmas, Chris. Merry Christmas, Lewis. <laughs> it's, it is the season for Chris. It is Christmas. <laughs> so I thought, I thought, what more appropriate for the things to season than to invite you on? Now, I, I should, I should let everyone know you've done something very, very charitable for me this season, which is that I said to you, "Would you come on?" And I want to do a top, a top list of all the games I've played this year. Put them in order of how much I enjoyed them and how much I'd rank them. Yeah. And I've asked you to come on to represent all of the guests who I yeah. got to play video games for that I recommended to them. And I'm going to get you to rank those games. Yeah. What I didn't realise was that you were then going to just go and play all of them. That was one of the first things that I asked was, um, okay, so do you want me to rank it based on other people's opinions? Because I'll listen to the podcast and I'll write some things down. And you said, no, your own opinions. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. I and I looked through and realised um, I have played one of them, and that is the game that you told me to play. <laughs> <laughs> so, bless you, you. I I mean, I've I've helped you out a bit. I've provided you with a computer. So oh yeah, you you've, you've been completely uh, like it's it's been completely indispensable help. Um, and based on how I think this is going to go, we won't really be talking just yet about the games I've played. But I can't. I mean, it, the fact that this was even able to happen is entirely because of you, because of the six <laughs> games, three of them have been very much provided by you. Um, yes, yeah, I did what I could. And, I, try, I try not to yeah. have my guests spend too much money on the show, because I'm more than willing to spend money, but I don't want other people to. Well, that's it. I mean, uh, I uh, in total, I think it was either six or eight pounds I spent on this, so it's not in terms of... Okay. Financially, I'm not. I'm not losing out. I mean, I lost right. out on six pounds, right. I think. I, yeah, <laughs> I that, that was muted. Sorry about that. That's okay. That's fine. This is going to be a pretty lax one, by the way. People listening, this is a fairly layback. This is this is the top, the best games of 2021 according to the best video game you've never played. I've got a list of 20 games in front of me, so it's it's a top 20. Uh, it's all Te- sort of bottom 19. 20. Is it 19? Well, there's technically 20 games on it, but two games share a rank, and we'll get to that when we get to that. Okay. So you can either view this optimistically as a top 20 or negatively as a bottom 20. Um, but I'm going to go from bottom to top, as it were. So from number 20 to number one. Yeah. Um, and you've got a list of six games, I think. Six games, which sounds on paper less impressive, but by all accounts... <laughs> I Well, I don't know, because you... You leveled all of your effort out throughout the entire year, so I guess there's a good argument to be had on who put more effort into this particular you, appearance. As far as I know, have, did you finish all of the games that you were assigned? Uh, we will get to that. We'll um, get to that. But I, yeah. I, I, by no accounts, finished most of these games. Most of these games I didn't finish. I will point out the ones I did finish, and I will justify as to why I finished them in each instance, but we'll get there. So we're going to start with number 20. Which is the, the, what I thought was the worst game I had to play this year for this podcast. Okay. Which is Kim Kardashian Hollywood. <laughs> which, if anyone listened to that podcast, they, they probably won't be that surprised. I have to confess that I've, I've listened to um, every podcast except for that one and the Tropico podcast. I got halfway okay. through that one, but I had to, I had to re-listen to the old, um, some of the older ones. Um, and... I fully so, expected that to be the worst one. <laughs> the thing that's maybe put it at the bottom is it's it's technically more well-made than the game that's going to be number 19. So when we get to number 19 in a sec, you'll, you'll maybe have a bit of a question. But the thing that made me put it there is that Kim Kardashian Hollywood is sort of 
parasitic and evil and like the way that it, it advertises and forces you to spend money like technically kim kardashian is a game that could is either free or costs an infinite amount of money oh yeah and i yeah. am not comfortable living in a world where that is the case that you could have a game that costs technically more money than you could ever own yeah that's uh, i think it's it's a very easy thing to be down on games like that and i 100% agree it's um <laughs> it, it's kind of and i have i have met people who've sunk some money into them and maybe it's maybe it's cuz i'm northern but i <laughs> whenever i think of putting any amount of money into it i feel a bit ill um yes yeah. and the idea of like I, I don't know i always feel like the extra challenge in games like that is trying to get through it without spending money but that's just but the... how I live my life. <laughs> that's just that's generally how you get through the day. Just trying to get yeah. through without spending any money. I mean, the thing that's especially insidious for me about Kim Kardashian Hollywood is is the you spend you the get even if you spend money, the game's still just terrible. Like it's still just it, there's no there's nothing to the game. There's no game to play. It's just a thing that keeps going if you put money in it. Is it it's like a of, um? Again, you're gonna. Um, this is the only one where I won't be able to really. Uh, I, I I can act as sort of audience surrogate. Is it kind of like a? This is a slightly old reference, but is it a Farmville kind of thing where. Um... Oh yeah, hundred. Well, no, it's worse than that, even really, because you okay. just the, the th to quickly summarize the gameplay in Kim Kardashian Hollywood. You do events at the events. You spend energy by just tapping on something, and the only thing that stops you having more energy to tap something is either waiting or buying the energy yeah but that's okay. it I, all I, that happens I, yeah. is, is a fairly humdrum story progresses is the only okay. thing that changes really so i would not recommend kim kardashian hollywood to anyone at all that is my worst game i played for this podcast <laughs> this is a slight aside and i think we'll we'll not have so many asides as we go through like the teens of the games it's just that yeah. like obviously the worst game provides something to talk about but did you there was quite a famous game that had a very similar sort of financial setup and it was a kind of harry potter game for mobiles that had the whole um using energy to produce things but it's like a story based thing um, which I, I'm not. I, I assume Kim Kardashian thing maybe wasn't. It is. It's very. It's very story based. Kim Kardashian is it story based? Okay, it's so very it's very much it's... a visual novel. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's basically the same thing. It was a visual novel, but with all these stopping points where it's like you need this much energy to progress. Um, and one of the things is your you make a, an avatar who is a child, so you create your own child. Um, yeah. And at one point, that child gets throttled by Devil Snare. And it's roughly oh, no. at the point where you don't have like enough energy unless you buy or wait for it to replenish. Oh, so no, you're that's sat grim. there watching a child being throttled whilst the game says, do you want to spend some money <laughs> do you want to, save to get this child? over with quicker? I mean, to be fair, for some players, they're probably delighted this is happening and don't want to spend money. They're having a great time watching this. <laughs> if inadvertently, that, that type of consumer's got exactly what they want for no cost. <laughs> Normally, they have to pay quite a lot of money to gain access to that sort of thing. But this is <laughs> oh god, there's only a, like a couple of five star reviews, but they're from very shady accounts. <laughs> so that's my bottom game, Kim Kardashian Hollywood. Uh, it's insidious. It's terrible. It, it's exactly the, the exactly the route gaming should never go down anywhere near. I don't think uh, anyone's going to be upset by that one being number twenty. No, I don't even think Mary will care, frankly. 
Number 19 is Long Live the Queen. Okay. Um, yeah. Which, which, if you've listened to the talk of the podcast, uh, is a visual novel with huge amounts of random guesswork, which means you can never successfully complete the game <laughs> without either drilling down every single potential possibility or just looking at a guide. And as soon as you look at a guide, it's not a game. It's a spreadsheet <laughs> that progresses through a story. It's an appalling... The only reason, one of the only reasons it's not the bottom game is A, it doesn't have that horrible free to play nonsense. Mm. But mostly B, I managed to get it refunded on Steam. <laughs> so <laughs> I played the game inadvertently offline, so it didn't track how long I played it. And I applied for a refund and I got it. So, <laughs> so that's why it's not my That's why it's not my bottom game this year. Uh, that's a great reason. <laughs> Am I Am I right in thinking that, um, because you told me, oh, who was it that uh, recommended that game to you? Uh, that was Luke Malkin. And bless him, I, I should be said, if you're low in the rankings for these games, don't feel like I didn't have a great time recording the podcast, because I did. Like, Long Live the Queen was one of my favourite podcasts to record, as indeed was Kim Kardashian Hollywood. I had a great time recording this podcast, partly because being told to play something crap that someone else loves... That's at least a fun discussion. That's at least yeah. like, you know, I, I mean, there's something to push I, against. I mean, I wouldn't know what that feels like, but I, um, I, I, I get what you mean. And I'm sure on behalf of all the people who aren't in number one, um, <laughs> then I'm, I'm, I'm sure no one is personally offended by not being at number one, um, unless it's me, in which case we'll be having words. But we, I'm going to get through most of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember who it was that because there was someone who you said gave you a game that you think was intentionally trying to annoy you. This was it. This was that the was game it. I that think was, was intentionally trying to annoy me. Yeah, okay. and and look, at least it was interesting. At least it was yeah. an interesting thing to discuss. I do hate the game, and I never will play it again. I can't. I don't own it anymore. <laughs> um, so number eighteen. Uh, this is, I think, might be controversial. Um, but if you listen to the podcast, I think I made a lot of good points as to why I hate this game. Uh, this is Among Us. Okay, I specifically yeah. Among Us with Strangers. Okay, I I this was a while ago that this one uh, played, but I do. Um, Among Us definitely seemed like it wasn't necessarily going to. It was you. You very much said, oh, "I'm glad that I played it, and I'm glad that we recorded it," but. I did not but enjoy I, it. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would rather get, I would rather get anyone I'm sat down with who's like, oh, let's play Among Us. I'd be like, look, I own every Jackbox game. There's, <laughs> there's gotta be a Jackbox game you prefer to Among Us. Please don't make me play Among Us. I think as well, and this is something that I'm starting to notice more and more. I have a really terrible personality type for social deduction games. Oh, I think you were just going to stop earlier, and I was, and this was going to take a dark turn. Yeah, um, I have a really terrible personality. Yeah, and, and Among Us merely amplifies that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what? I'm really enjoying listening to you list off the games that annoyed you before we get to the things I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we should say when we get to number six, we're going to start going back and forth. So we are going to have to whiz through this 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 sort of our back end of my list, really, because otherwise it's just me telling you things. And as much as I'm enjoying that, it makes me feel like. <laughs> Makes me feel like I'm in charge. It's your, uh, it, it's your podcast. It's it, it. I'm I'm just here as like I I, I represent all guests, which um yeah, I don't yeah, know how the guests of... feel about that. 
you're sort of here as a bouncing board for me. I mean, this is the thing. Unfortunately, you haven't yeah. also played all of these games. If you have played any of these games, do talk up because that, that will hopefully lead to some discussion. Uh, after Among Us, as I far as I'm believe, aware, I think there's only there's only one that I've played. I can't believe I've put this game. I've actually realised I've missed off a game, so I'm going to put that after this one. Um, so I've got Lost Egg. Um, okay. Which was the terrible Super Monkey Ball clone, but done with an egg, and it's five levels, yeah. and it costs threepence. And like, I don't, I don't, I don't hate Lost Egg. I'm not furious at Lost Egg, which is why it's at the sort of basically it's at the bottom of the games. I start to be like. This is fine about, really. It's yeah. only really Among Us, Long Live the Queen, and Kim Kardashian Hollywood I actively hated playing. That's Lost the, Egg that, is... Yeah. That's the other thing about this list. Uh, what, what's happened is we've got, through, um, we've got through games that were interesting to talk about, and now we're on to games where I think people did want to bring you something that would interest you in some way. I think Lost Egg, I think Lost Egg was, uh, to be fair to Gareth, was him trying to make a bit of fun and joke because he was streaming it and sort of part of Lost Egg's appeal is how frustrating it is. Yeah. But there was a part of me that recognised that a lot of Lost Egg's frustration was not deliberate mm. and was actually just the designer being like, you know, trying things out. They were clearly like, they're clearly not a big deal designer. They're kind of a, not amateur because they are making money, but like this, this thing's barely yeah. being held together by one person. Which is why the yeah. one above it, which is the one I realised I forgot about, but I, I think easily slots into this rank, um, mm. which is now number 15, is um, the forklift adventure. Oh, because it was two in one kind of thing. Okay. Yes, I realised I've left it off. So what, I'm just going to double check the name of that. It was... This really uh, is a oh, sort of no. post-Christmas kind of like yeah, conversation. Yeah, this is, yeah, this yeah, is it's, just it's, a... You know, don't worry about it too much. Don't worry. Oh, I actually didn't say in the list what it was. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a forklift game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what it was called. Forklift adventure, something like that. And that was okay. That was similar to Lost Egg. Frustrating because of the the designer's inability to make a game rather than a deliberate attempt to troll. But mm. that one had a, a bizarrely suddenly became an open world game out of nowhere. And I was just taken aback. Yeah. And I was like, oh, all right, yeah. Um, so that's number 15. Number 14 is Stronghold HD. Uh, okay, okay, now I do know... Um, okay, I don't know if... Because you told me that you didn't necessarily want to do too much editing, so I don't know if you want to cut this out. Well, go, go, for, it, go for it, go for it. But you told me that um, you had such a nice conversation with... Uh, was it Paul it Savage? It was Paul, yeah, Paul Savage. Paul Sa yeah. yeah, you had such a nice conversation, and you didn't fully have the heart to tell him that the game <laughs> was massively dated. The biggest you... problem I have... The biggest problem I have is Struggle HD, which is something that comes up in the Tropico podcast as well, mm. is I, I just don't know why I lose. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It just happens over time that things, I feel like I'm in a great position, so I build a lot, and then suddenly I have nothing, and it's all gone wrong, and everyone hates me, and I don't know why. I just, yeah. I feel like this is a genre that just has never properly clicked, and Strong on HD was that, but also it's really, really dated, and like, irrationally and bizarrely hard. Yeah. So that that's just a game I can't. It's number 14, which implies that it's, you know... Hey, it's in the top 14 games of two Sorry, decades 15, after it came out. 15. Is it Fort number 15? Is 16. Yeah, Stronghold's 15. 
Number 14, you know how I said Stronghold and Tropico have a very similar problem? Okay. Um, Yeah, number 14 is Tropico 5. (laughs) It's not even... (laughs) Stronghold HD wasn't even the top of the two games that you said annoyed you in the same way. Yeah, exactly. And Tropico 5 had some, like, relatively offensive jokes as well, and I still preferred it to Stronghold HD. Because at least Tropico 5 was, like... The modernness made it more understandable how to play. And it, at least the thing with Stronghold HD is it feels like the like plain chocolate of its genre. Mm. It's just there's nothing about it that's particularly interesting. That like The idea of managing a castle and then doing terrible top-down combat that's just like that's like the that's the foundation of this entire genre. At least yeah. Tropico Five was like be a Banana Republic Caribbean style dictator. That's okay. relatively interesting as an idea. That is interesting. Yeah, that's that's the uh, only podcast that I haven't listened to in any way. So I that's I I did not know that that's what the deal was. That's so when did that yeah. came when did that come out? Oh God, I think it was like two thousand six, two thousand eight. Okay, that's like is that's pretty old. No, for... wait, no, no, no. It's not that old. It's not that old. Sorry. Tropico, it was before Trump got elected. I know that. But that's most of human history. That's that most, most of human, of human history, history, Lewis. It was relatively you know, not... You know, Lewis, we call that 2016, but there look, were also look. millions of years before that. It was after Stronghold HD, but before Trump got elected. That's the, that's the bracket of history <laughs> we're in. Uh. <laughs> does narrow down to less than two decades so i feel like there's not to know it's 2014 i've just looked it up okay i mean it the amount you've narrowed it down to could legally drive i suppose yeah yeah Yeah. and like it was not um look again to jack we're in the bracket of games that i just didn't i'm not offended by these games i'm not upset by them they're just they're just a bit boring they're just not really my thing and and so it's sort of these these were the harder podcasts to record in the sense that I had to sort of muster up the enthusiasm to pretend to be annoyed by them when the truth was I just I feel like most of these games I could be like yeah it's just I didn't really like it but you know it's good you did yeah um, but Jack was really <laughs> so he did he did a lot of the heavy lifting yeah. on that episode I feel like even worse and this game is this is completely my sin that this game is this far down the list and it's entirely my fault because I think I played this game for about two hours. Um, but Professor Layton and the Curious Village. Okay, interesting. It's that's um, c- c- that's that game is something that also passed me by, even though I owned a DS and would have been ripe to get it. Um, it's it's just, interesting that that's yeah. It, I I look. I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm I have problems keeping my attention on things that aren't like really flashy and interesting and the problem with professor layton is it is mostly a book yeah and i don't really read many books because i don't have the attention span that books require like you have got the correct guest on because i 100 percent agree (laughs) with you and i feel guilty about it and i feel like people want me to feel guilty about that as well yeah yeah no one's no one's on your side if you're saying i don't read much yeah when i was um uh, when when I was about I don't know this was relatively recent I think I was maybe twenty two or something. Um, I s- sat down to read a book and I realised it had been so long since I'd read a book that I had not forgotten how to read but forgotten how to read efficiently. 
there's a right. So so I was sat there reading incredibly slowly, and I realised that I had slightly forgotten how to read. <laughs> and and that was, I think that also may have been before Trump got elected. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> Most of human history, at some point in the majority of human, but after you were born. Maybe it wasn't. So got... Maybe he was. <laughs> Maybe, was Maybe he was more? elected. I don't know. I didn't think we'd be using that as a sort of measuring stick. It's too bad now. You've got, you know, this is this is the life you've got to live now. Is you there's 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 two eras. There's before Trump and after Trump. It was after BT I've just, and eighty. I've just remembered it was it was eighty. It was it was eighty. It was it was quite recent. <laughs> well, it's quite embarrassing. Know. I wish I hadn't said that. <laughs> I don't think any of the games I gave you required much reading either, which makes sense now I think about it. Um, um, we'll get to it. We'll get yeah, to it. I'm on yeah. number 12 right now. I'm on number 12. Yeah. Which okay. is, and uh, this is going to annoy my wife, uh, The Sims 2 and 4. <laughs> and it's this low down because it, I pre. It's, it's, look, it's number 12, so it's actually doing all right. It's, it's sort of, you know, it's bottom, it's bottom half of the league table, but it's top of the bottom half, if that makes sense. Well, Plus, these are, as I said, these are games that people have brought on to see to try and make yes. you like. So, you know, the fact that it wasn't in the bottom three is is pr- yeah, pretty good. Yeah, and The Sims two and four, I think, is the closest I've come out of all of these games to being like, oh no, this is this is a full blown personality clash issue. Like this, these games are really well made, but not for like, you. I, this is the thing. They're so good for their audience, and I'm just not their audience. I hate, I hate it when that happens because you just feel like the best thing you can do to criticize that is go, "Sorry, I'm not criticizing it." This is the thing I wanted to say. I think I did say in the podcast. I'm like the score I'd give this is like NA. I just I can't. I feel ill, Ill placed to judge this this game series. Well, because it wouldn't be fair. Because like if you were hired by if you were hired by one of the major video game reviewers and you came back and you gave it the score that you felt it deserved by your opinion, it wouldn't really, you know, people who aren't fans of The Sims wouldn't read your review anyway. It'd only be read by <laughs> fans. So so your input would be very unwelcome to them. Yeah, yeah. It would so, be getting the, yeah, it'd yeah. be like getting the perspective of like, I don't know, Someone without a tongue telling you what strawberries taste like. It's not, it just doesn't. It's just, I, 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 the, it's, it's, valid that, it's valid that they don't enjoy strawberries as much as me, but I know why I like strawberries. So I don't, <laughs> you know. I'd be honest, I think strawberries look nicer than they taste. Well, this is where we disagree, Chris. This is this is exactly why. Uh, this is one of the things that's very nice about this show. I feel, and I'm gonna I'm gonna compliment my own thing here. It's the whole <laughs> point. The whole point of this show is that we all love different things for different reasons. Yeah, and it's fun to try and explain it. But the truth of it is, is that there is no objective truth, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So it's just fun to to discuss that. Yeah. With that in mind, dead center of my list, if we're counting The Sims two and four as separate games, number eleven. Uh, Jet Set Radio. Oh, okay. Here That's... is a game I wanted to love. Yeah. I really wanted to love Jet Set Radio, and there's lots about it I do, except it controls like complete ass. Okay. And... This this was a was it Dreamcast originally? It was, was... yeah. I played the Steam PC port, okay. which as ports go is all right actually. It's fairly good. Yeah. Um, 
but man like i think the biggest problem with jet set radio is that tony hawk's pro skater exists and tony hawk's pro skater is a way better version of more or less the same game yeah well and and the problem i've always had is the the problem i think that tony hawk's pro skater has is the mini games in spyro 2 uh, in spyro 3 exist um (laughs) those are good those are a lot of fun yeah they're not quite correct they're not quite there's not as many uh skate parks in Spyro 3 but how many eggs are there in tony hawk's there's fewer eggs fewer then it will there'll be less reason to go there if you're spyro it's true has spyro been in a tony hawk's i don't think he has no he might have he's not been in that much really i know that um spider-man was in it wasn't he but Spider-Man, <laughs> I mean, I love Spyro. I really do. One of my absolute favorite childhood uh, video game series. I adore Spyro. Um, I think Spider-Man is probably a bigger IP than Spyro. That's true. I'm actually, and I'm it breaks my looking, heart to say. Currently looking at the top 10 best guest stuff. I mean, this is how much I care about Jet Set Radio. We're currently talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And Spyro. <laughs> Spyro and Spider-Man. <laughs> You got Spider-Man, Wolverine's been in it, James Hetfield's been in it, Darth Maul. Uh, Darth Maul. Yeah, Django Fett's been in it. Eddie from Iron Maiden's been in it. <laughs> Doom Guy. What? So just as like skins or no full playable characters. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the thing. It's, it's had loads of great guest stars. This is why I really like. This is why. Anyway, Jet Set Radio. It's it, it should be better. It's not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, we're into my top ten now. So these are these. Are, you can either view this as like these are the top ten games I've played this year for this podcast. These are like these are you know we're getting the top. Or you can view it as these are the least worst games I played this year, uh, depending on your outlook. Okay. So at number ten. And it's amazing it's held on this long because I think even when I played it at the time I was not massive on it is Sniper Elite 4. Interesting. Which I put above Jet Set Radio uh, literally while we were talking because I was looking at my list and I went, no, I've got to reconsider this because Sniper Elite 4 does control very well for what it is. So uh, is is this more of a sort of clash of it's not your thing or is this... uh, um... Like it has some flaws because you were saying that was it as good as you expected it to be? I think it it was better than I thought it was going to be. Definitely, Sniper Elite Four. I went in with Sniper Elite Four with pretty low expectations. Actually, I thought it was going to be proper bargain bin stuff, and I was I was sort of going in expecting it to have like novelty factor. Whereas actually, it's a reasonably good game. Yeah. Okay. I think I, I I I don't I haven't played a Sniper Elite game. I think I own three, as in the third mm. one, not three copies. But I <laughs> haven't played it yet. Um, it it just it, I, I don't think it would be one where I'd get to the end and go right. Let me buy the others. I think the thing with Sniper, the thing that put me off Sniper Elite, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a super technical game. Okay, and yeah. And it's yeah. going to be like, like you know, you got it's pr- proper sim sniping, like a steel but actually, battalion, but for guns. Yeah. Whereas what mm. it actually is is a is a more difficult and more condensed Uncharted game, really. Okay. It's an Uncharted game where your primary gun is a sniper as opposed to a a machine gun, and the stealth 
is better in Sniper Elite 4 than an Uncharted. So it's sort of like, it's somewhere between mm. a Metal Gear Solid and an Uncharted game. It's like, the thing that lets it down really is its production value. It's just not, its story mode is not quite strong enough okay. for it to stand up against those bigger titles. Okay, that's interesting. But for, if you take it as a cheaper game with some interesting ideas, it's quite fun. Okay. All right, well, I I mean, the fact that it's in the top 10 and it's beaten some of those games, I... Uh... I'll certainly be. I mean, I was going to play it anyway. I own it. I don't. Yeah, uh, I got it through PlayStation Plus, which, as I explained at the time, is a service that Sony sends you Metacritic games with a sixty or seventy score. Which uh, uh, is is a slight point of uh, point of contention in our relationship because um, whenever it comes up, I realise that I should have got it. I okay. I can't remember if I said this, but I got PlayStation Plus when it was relatively new, and I got yeah. it for accidentally got it for two years and i was nice. so annoyed that i basically vowed to never get it again through the years when it was giving away six games a month uh yeah, and i really owned all the three consoles that it was giving away games for yeah it has to be said the best thing like because we've discussed in the past of course about the vita the best thing yeah. you could have bought for the playstation vita was playstation plus because by the end yeah. of the playstation vita's lifetime you owned every single game on the vita through playstation plus yeah and i uh i do slightly live in regret of that when i look at the prices of some of the games because on the store they um they never get discounted because the vita's nope. store is a barren wasteland that no one visits it's and- about to be shut down yeah it, it was meant to be shut down in August, but it, it seemed that people wanted to clear it out of all of its valuables, and that made a server switch on in Sony's HQ that made them go, maybe we should keep it on a bit longer. But it was people yeah. panic buying before the apocalypse. <laughs> it happened again as well. They'll, they'll keep yeah. that thing rolling for as long as they can. I mean, I count myself among them. Uh, <laughs> that was very much instrumental in me getting back into my Vita, which is very much defined this year. Like, uh, if if I were to think of my gaming experiences this year, it's very much been on the Vita. That's quite interesting, because you, you even own a Nintendo Switch, which basically replaced the Vita and is better than it. Y- yes. I mean, it's not entirely... It, it's partly due to this podcast, but equally, like, I, I now own more... I, I own, like, twice as many Vita games than I owned at the beginning of this year. Oh, so you've gone from four to eight. (laughs) I now own all of the Vita games. (laughs) Well, uh, nothing to do with the Vita, or indeed duplicating one's library. Number nine, I think this will upset people, is Outer Wilds. Interesting, because I, and I've told you this, I own Outer Wilds because of your podcast. I heard... You talk yeah. about it. Uh, I think you talked about it with was it with Charles? It was with Kieran. 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 Sorry, Charles Sorry. was Sniper Elite Four. Sorry, Kieran. Um, <laughs> but uh, I heard you talking about it, and I thought that sounds exactly like the kind of game I would like. And I now own it, and I have been looking for an opportunity to play it. So the thing with me with Outer Wilds was uh, at the time I was talking to Kieran, I was in the middle of playing it. Because I didn't manage to finish it in time. Because it's quite a, it's quite an interesting game in that respect that it's sort of longer than you think it's going to be in some respects. Yeah. But I think what it is is I then tried to get back into it and I realised that right. I just find it. I as I did explained earlier, I don't have a brilliant attention span. Yeah. And the thing I found with Outer Wilds is there came a point where I felt like I was just wandering around, hoping to stumble across clues that weren't 
forthcoming and I just lost my patience. And there was one particular sequence in the game which I don't know if it's early or late because I don't, you know, depends how what order you do the game in. Yeah. But there was one particular thing that I learned in the game that I then tried to implement that I couldn't implement and as a result, I just kept dying. Okay. And it became incredibly frustrating and I went, I don't think I'm ever going to play this again. And I think the big difference going forward <coughs> with the rest of this list mm. is that with the exception of one of the game coming up, every other game on this list I have completed. Okay. So that's why I felt like I couldn't put Outer Wilds higher because I felt like if I did like it more, I would have finished it. Do you think that's a slight failing on your part? No, because I get to decide whether or not I enjoy something. (laughs) I felt like I I, I managed to stop myself saying, I feel like a proper interviewer. Because I thought that would have thought that would have ruined the impact of the question. I like the idea that you were like trying to catch me out, like you're like this is like a politician's interview, and mm. you're like, "Well, aren't you a hypocrite?" And I'm like, I, "It's about it's video games. It doesn't matter, Chris. It doesn't no, matter if I'm a hypocrite." <laughs> I'm not. I, I'm sort of. I, I guess let me reword the question in a less confrontational way, even though I think it was a brilliant question. Um, do you think you would have finished it if you hadn't had that stop? I don't know. Well, that's not like, a, that's not a fair question. It's, to it's, it. it's, it's, it's the it's the honest answer. I, can't, I, I know, but this is a hypothetical, I'll and it's what, not acceptable to say. I don't when know. I was when I was playing it, I was forcing myself to play it. I see. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like Outer Wilds remains a game I really, really admire. But similar to The Sims, it's just not something that ever fully clicked with me, okay. and that does surprise me because, as we'll find out when we get to the games that I recommended to you. This sort of not necessarily massively interactive game is something I do quite like. Yeah. Because there's at least two games in your list that are like arguably walking simulators. It it paired with, um, because it was paired with Gone Home, because you also... Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah. um, And And the thing I love about Gone Home is it's two hours long. So uh, I, I I can't give away my opinion on Gone you Home. You got we got to wait for Gone Home. Yeah, got to hold that. So you know how I said I didn't finish every game on the upcoming list. I actually did a last minute swap on that basis. Okay. Just now because I yeah. went. You know what? I think I got talked into giving this the best video game I've never played, and then I went back to it afterwards, and I went, I should not have done that. Zach tricked me. Um, yeah. So number eight is Persona Five. I I'll be honest. When I listen to this podcast. What happened there is everything I've ever tried to do to you, which is to <laughs> trick you semantically into saying that what I have given is the best video game. <laughs> I mean, to fair play to Zach. He really... He, he, his trick was to just agree with me so much that I started to doubt myself. I also... I and just... actually... I'm, I, you know, sorry to sorry to take this away from the. That's the one where I, I sent you multiple messages because every single game you compared it to unfavorably was a game that was something to do with me. Like you, well, that, yes, that's constantly you, like... shat on Pokemon. I think <laughs> well, you, yeah. out of out of nowhere you brought up the Simpsons game to to compare that and well, say look, how that guess doesn't what work game, properly. Guess what game I haven't brought up yet? I know because you you don't start at the top and work your way down in lists like so... this. You can you can be annoyed that I brought it up as an unfavorable comparison, but it's not co- so it has. Yeah, that's it, right, Zach. It doesn't matter if you know Jedi mind tricks. Who's the ultimate winner here? The thing is, I picked up Persona Five after I talked to Zach, and I tried to keep playing it, and I just 
lost in i just couldn't keep going and i feel mm. like what it is is that that first chapter was really really good and really yeah. hooked me in and really was great and then as i as i progressed into the part of the game where it was obviously going we're going to become quite episodic now and okay. now what you're going to experience is less to do with this core center of characters in terms of like their personal connection to things and it's more like they're going to discover adventures and do it that i kind of went ah okay yeah persona 5 is now really a television show that i'm playing yeah and i lost interest yeah <laughs> but it's number eight i've said a lot of negative things it is really really good at what it's doing yeah it's so stylish even though i don't like turn-based combat i even had fun with the turn-based combat at times yeah it's really well written it's really interesting it's pervy as hell <laughs> it's it's uh fast I, I like i really understand why in the year it came out people were hemming and whoring as to whether or not that was game of the year or zelda breath of the wild was okay that's i didn't know that they came out the same year and the fact that people are even having that debate is a really it, that's a real mark of quality yeah because zelda yeah, breath think, of the wild might be one of like, i think that is definitely in my top five games just ever it's a very very good video game it's very yeah. i i personally would have given it to mario odyssey for that year i love mario odyssey um, uh, yeah yeah after that i should have put this lower but i'm stuck with it now what uh, number is this number seven number seven is full throttle okay which is the point and click adventure game it's, it's up this high because i did finish it okay and i fit and i played it all the way to the end even though i did use a guide to get to the end it's like i should have put it lower it's i should it shouldn't be this high but I've done this list now, so I'm gonna to have to pretend that I'm happy with it being at number seven. You've done. Um, you've done. So hang on. You gave me, and again, thank you very much for lending me your PC to play some of these games. You gave me six games to play. Yeah. And then what you had to do was list all the games you'd played based on your own yeah. memory, and it seems yeah. like you went away and didn't do anything. I got it wrong. Okay. I've, I've got this list. I did write this list and I did think about it at the time, but as I've been doing it, I've been rewriting it because I'm not committed to this order. Look, right. Tom Crowley came on and he was charming and funny and that's why I like Full Throttle. You'd <laughs> be so easily like bribed, wouldn't you? Look, okay, right. Here's the thing I'll say about Full Throttle. It was interesting. It's set in a location that is not normal for either the genre or video games. I think I said at the time there's not many set around bikers. Yeah. I can remember the entire game pretty much and I can remember all the stuff I had to do and it was like there are bits that are funny, there are bits that are like, you know, clever and interesting and it is it is a LucasArts era point and click adventure game and that is kind of a genre that I do quite like. Yeah. Even though I think it's a fundamentally flawed genre and it makes sense it doesn't really exist anymore. It's definitely... It's of its era, and you can kind of look back and appreciate appreciate from a distance, because the only LucasArts point-and-click game I've really got any experience with is um, Grim Fandango. Mm. Um, and, you know, however much I occasionally had to rely on a guide, I definitely had fun with that game, and I played that game um, 2018. So that's that's a real testament to staying power of games of that era. Yeah, and like it was, as I said, it, at the time, it was the last of the LucasArts games to get remastered, and I do think with good reason. But I think yeah, yeah. even one of the lesser Tim Schafer LucasArts games is still one of the better games I've played. Yeah, yeah, I, still I mean, it. I still, yeah, 
It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Right. So now we're at number six. So okay. how do you want to do? You, do you want to go first, or should I go first? Um. Well, that's interesting because I suppose uh, I suppose I should go first, so that the last one that said is you. Okay. Because well, otherwise, otherwise on otherwise on your podcast, the number one game that will be announced is by me. Which would be odd. It would be weird. I mean, I'd love okay. it, but it would be it would be odd. So let's go for it. What what was your number six? Okay. Um and people listening at home may want to strap themselves in for uh, quite quite the main bulk of the conversation we're gonna have now. Um because my number six, which is of the six games I played, the bottom, uh is the Neverhood. Sixth best. The sixth best yes. game you played. Yeah, the sixth best yeah, game well, I played. The I'm glad. I'm glad it came numbers. That's that's you know sixth best. That's pretty good. Oh yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Top six. I mean, that's that's in a top ten. It's not at the bottom. It's not at the bottom of a top ten. Yeah, it wasn't so the top Neverhood. ten. Okay, no, that's actually that was the last episode to go out. I was the first one I recorded for this series with there, but I held on to it because I was such a. I, I really enjoyed the edit of what came out of that. I was like, I'm gonna hold on to this because it's such such I, a fun listen. I right okay. I think we need to go into some detail about how I played these games because it's it's good to sort of reiterate some of the games that I was playing. So you sent me a message on the 2nd yep. of December asking if I wanted to do this. And I think that yep. evening I went home and started playing Ocarina of Time because I own okay, a copy. Yeah. And I, that's and on I the thought, list as well, we should yeah, say. And I, yeah, that, yep. that's one of the games that's on the list that I had to play. Um, and I started playing that because I knew that that would take quite a lot of time. And yep. Then a couple of days later, you brought me your PC round, and then not long after I played Gone Home, uh, and then I actually went home uh, to my parents' house, and there nice. I played um, Alan Wake and Observation, uh, and you... I should, I should also say to the listener, um, I gave Chris my computer, but I turned it into a Steam machine. Oh, yeah. This <laughs> is worth Steam OS. <laughs> Which, which I should point out now, do not ever do this. This is such a bad idea. It made the computer run so much worse but do you also want it was to a say, Windows machine. Do you also want to say, the, so Lewis came around with a PC to give to me, to lend me his actual, an actual PC, which is an amazing thing to lend me. And the first thing that happened is I signed it into the internet and then deleted his password by accident. So I had to change my password on my Steam account so Chris could log in. Because I'd, instead of clicking log in, I very confidently pressed the tick box for remember the password. With all the confidence of someone who's going, I know what I'm doing, tick. <laughs> um, but, so, okay. yeah, so, so it's also worth pointing out as well that by turning it into a Steam machine, you couldn't actually emulate the Neverhood on it. Yeah, I, well, well, I mean, this is just the f- fucking start of this conversation about the Neverhood. It's so it's going to be there's there's a lot to say about it. So I played all these games all the while, by the way, playing Ocarina of Time because as I as I said, I knew that would take a while, and it yeah. it, it did. I was still playing it along, and you sent me a message after I'd f- when I was halfway through Alan Wake, roughly saying how are you getting on, and you asked me specifically about the Neverhood, yeah. and I thought at the time that this was because the way that I'd have to get it would be quite complicated. I had to download oh, a piece no, of no. I can, I can sincerely tell you now, it was. It was because that was the only one I knew wasn't, like, in my head officially accounted for, for how you were going to play it. I don't believe you. <laughs> because what happened was, also, between you asking me to do this and me actually doing this, we met up in person. 
Yeah. And you told me a little bit about the Neverhood, but you only told me about like the the developer and uh, and and how disagreeable he is. And I don't know yes, any of the details, yeah. but um, by all accounts, yeah. uh, I, it, it's not worth good. talking about. Yeah. But um, but you but it, what's crucial to say is you didn't give me any details on what the game was. You didn't. No, t- I, didn't I didn't know what year it came out. As far as I knew, it came out a couple of years ago, and it was just difficult to get hold of because it wasn't available on steam or something no no not at all it's a windows 95 launch game nearly yeah and so i started playing i i took my partner's laptop and i downloaded all the things that you told me to download and i started playing it whilst we were visiting her family i was in a hotel okay that's nice that's lovely well and the first the the neverhood loads up after me it only took me about 15 minutes to get it which based yeah. on listening to the podcast um well well i'll be honest with you quite i didn't know that actually there is a good emulator for it now when we recorded that podcast it turns out ed found the good way to run it so. yeah I, I mean i felt like i was standing on the shoulders of giants because you had you both had problems and you told me the way that you solved them so i was basically just yeah. able to follow your cheat sheet and it wasn't straightforward because there were still some issues and also running it on by the way i don't own a single windows device not a single yeah. one not by like some kind of moral standpoint i just never have so i i was playing it on a mac laptop and yeah and and so i was playing it in literally the worst way i could have even tried to play it but we got it working and i loaded up a game that looked adorable even though yeah it does look yeah adorable. I, I saw it's a sort of clay way. kind of put together thing and i had no idea i had no idea it was a point and click game i had no idea it was from the 90s and i had no fucking idea it was made of clay and i started Great. playing it and i thought oh this is interesting. This is very interesting. Um, and then the realisation began dawning that it, it, it's utterly horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. It's, a it's an yeah. utterly horrifying experience. And I, I, I finished it. I finished it. It's currently, I mean, it's, it, I, of course I finished it. It's, it's, I started playing it, today's Monday, I started playing it on Saturday night. Um, and I finished it this morning. That's and good. Ju- and do you know what I'm I glad did? You finished it. Yeah, but do you know what I did after I finished it? What did you I, do? I listened to the podcast where you talked about it. Yeah. Which you told me not to do. No, no. Before I played it. it. And the reason, and as much as you can say, oh, it's got spoilers in it, the reason why you told me not to listen to it is because everything that's mentioned in that podcast, you told me to do the opposite. That's, you that's, and and knowingly. That's not strictly true. Uh, um, I I think you'll find I, it right. is. I I right. I will get ahead of this. I said, um, get as far as you can without a guide, but when you when you do get stuck, use a guide. You told me only when you need to. Only yeah, only when you need to. I really want because because right. I'll tell you why I did that. When when I gave it to Ed, look, yeah. Ed is someone I really respect. So when I gave it to Ed... Well, so, hold on. <laughs> Hang on. When I gave it to Ed... <laughs> the implication there. No, I, look, when I gave it to Ed, Ed is not someone I know who plays video games on the regular. I do know that he is, like, very... He, he, look, he can beat me at Crash Team Racing. He's a very capable gamer when he wants to be, but I don't think he'd ever yeah. played a game like The Neverhood before. So my, my instinct to him was to say, look, don't bash your head against a brick wall with this. Use a guide where you need to use a guide. Like, mm. don't... I would say if you were to sit down and play the Neverhood with a guide immediately open, you're just you're just executing a guide, and that's not really engaging with the game. 
ice. So try try and engage with the game. But yeah. I will com- I will admit there are points in the Neverhood where it becomes unreasonable that any yes. human being would be able to finish it without a guide. And and here's here's where it gets interesting because actually I I listened to it today and basically I was I listened right to the end because I thought at some point in that podcast you'd say fuck you Chris. <laughs> because also the other thing is you actually you say out loud it is a prank for me to get people to play this. And I was sat there in the car having just a few hours ago finished it thinking that's what happened that's exactly what happened it's exactly what happened yeah it was like you were in the car with me with get, a... i managed to get two people to play the neverhood this year which is and by the way i like i say so i i started playing it in a hotel on my partner's laptop which implies my partner was there so she started yeah. watching this and she well, it's, it's a great game to watch Oh, it, well, here's the thing. One of the things she said after a few minutes was, why has Lewis made you do this? <laughs> and not and not like a nebulous, like, why are you playing this game in particular? She knew what I was doing. She watched me play most of these games. She said specifically, why is he making you do this? Look, look, there's a whole podcast in which I justify my position on the Neverhood. And, and, I, I will, and your position I will, I will is Rickrolling. No, but I also genuinely kind of love this game. That's the thing. I now have to slightly back off because there are a couple of things I want to say. First of all, I'm not going to... I'm going to try my best to not parrot everything that's in the podcast because if if you've listened to them all, it's just going to be repeating old ground. If you've not listened to them... Yeah, yeah. Go listen to it. It's a great time. Oh, yeah, you should because what you'll hear is you'll hear... You'll hear Lewis essentially doing an impression of me. Like just being a sort of little devil child, laughing thing, in a way I've I've never heard him laugh before. The thing because the he thing knows that, that he's made someone do something annoying. <laughs> the, thing, the thing that I love so much about that one is that the first half of it is a very sincere critique of the game, and we really are talking about it in a proper like game design way. And by the end, I can't help. I can't help but collapse into the fact that I just know what I've done is just evil. <laughs> Is that because uh, look? I should. I, I will also come completely clean on this. Before I had to replay it for that podcast, I thought I did love the game. <laughs> That's the other thing. Okay, so I was sat there next to my partner, and she said, "Why did he? Why does he made you do this?" And what I and I started defending you, even though this podcast existed, where you were essentially saying, "Look, I got another idiot to do it as well." <laughs> I I was sat there going, "No, no, no! I'll give him the." Here's the thing. What's happened is he's recommended a game that he played as a child, which, by the way, the podcast reveals you didn't. He's recommended I played, a game. I, no, I played a demo for it as a child, and it really heavily imprinted in my brain. I, I, no wonder. I mean, that's, a, so, that's how trauma but, presents. But, like, like, it looked like it's so unique. I know, but you had me defending like you whilst it. you were sat in a, in a record with someone else going, you're an idiot if you played it. The game is this getting all, people to play. This awful game deserves nobody's time. I think is the tagline I want to put on the box. <laughs> I think you also said you wanted to give it five stars. No, yeah, this awful game deserves nobody's time. Five stars. That is that is my that is ultimately my verdict on the never. Look, I can't. No, I, I think I, the thing I, that well, perfectly well, summarizes it to me yeah. is in the second screen of the game, you can walk up to a door and there's a button on the door and you go, if I push this button, the door will open and you push it and it punches you in the face. I'll be honest. I think the game sets out its stall sooner than that. Because I, first of all, I want to say that I'm, 
I'm on the same page as you in some yeah. of the ways because actually there was so, I and I do have to admit this there was a little bit of back it wasn't as easy as it sounds to put this at the bottom okay, okay. which and, that and, and that's not you really also hated another one of the games I no 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 because the thing is I will I will never forget this game because I right, I was right. I, I, well I was also on board with you for a couple of things the the thing when it makes you walk down thirty screens of text <laughs> after after <laughs> <laughs> it's not after that it tr- makes you walk down thirty screens is that it makes you walk back I, that's it well it's also like it it perfectly sprinkles in enough words that you actually start reading because I started reading. Yeah. Neither of us are big readers, but we both of us will have started reading. And then when we saw the next one, we're like, oh, maybe not. And then we start walking. And then it dawns on you that you should never have started reading. It does It does occur to me that because you like to 100% video games, there was a part of me that was really hoping, this sick, twisted part of me that was really hoping you would read the entire thing. I'm... Just in case. Look... <laughs> okay, I have, a, I have a note written down. My notes, by the way... My notes aren't really jumping off points. They're more sort of stream of conscious as they're happening. I wrote down, I found a wall of text. And if you read that, if if you read that as a child, I do not accept any criticism about the way I play games. <laughs> I did not read it all as a child. No. I've never, I've never read the whole thing. Okay. Ed, I told Ed about the website where he could read the whole thing. And he did read the whole thing. <laughs> Actually, no, I think before the podcast, I did read the whole thing. It's slightly longer than The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. That's what I remember looking up about it. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's actually, it's only, it only appears to be as long as it does because of the way it's presented. It's actually about as long as a short story. It's not, not as, like, it's purely because of the way that it's presented in the game that it seems enormous. Well, yeah, but that's, the, the reason why is because there's less than a page of text, but you have to ploddingly walk past it. A book could take <laughs> yeah. fucking ages if you, had to, if you had to go past it on a segue. No, it's brilliant. It's better that, Chris, because you go onto a screen where it has the text, and then you have to click a column of text, and then it zooms in on the column so you can read it, and each screen has about four or five columns of text. Yeah. And like, so so you could t- read like a sentence and a half per column. In total, there's over a hundred columns. It's, yeah, and look. Easily. Easily, there must be. There's but no, the, look, I, no, 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 what I was going to... That's what, the most controversial part of the game. No, that's what I was going to say is... What I was going to say is, I agree with you. Because that was a debate that you and Ed were having. Is he yeah. was he was saying that wasn't a prank. I like again, partner watching over my shoulder uh, as I was like marveling at the fact that it was making me do this. And then when I got to the end and I realised I had to do it all again, so she was there when that happened. And as I left, I thought, I respect that. Right? I, isn't it funny? Isn't it I, like it's such a good payoff? Like it's it it is, but it is a joke on you. <laughs> yeah. It's, but- but now, now it's a joke on you, Chris. Now it's a joke on Ed, because I've made you play that. I know. And I can't wait. I can't wait for you to decide to do a, what are the, what's the best video game I never played of the decade? And get someone else, get some someone other, else to play the Neverhood. some other patsy to come along and construct an entire podcast just so you can get another person to play the Neverhood. I became convinced. I got paranoid. I became convinced that this whole thing was to, because when you first invited me on, on yeah. like the second of December, and you said, "Do you want to come on and talk about the six? I I felt really honoured because I thought I thought of all the people you'd had on your show, and one of them is your wife, and yeah. it, and in my head I thought I'm his favourite. 
<laughs> which, which, by the way, is, isn't the truth, but I just thought, oh, that's, that's really nice. And all the while, right up until I was halfway through the Neverhood, I still had that warm feeling. But partway through the Neverhood, I, I thought, no, Chris, I'm, just, Chris, I'm just the one who I, wanted to trick. Chris, I would have recommended this game to you regardless of the podcast. Because I, because I also I, know you and your sense of humour. And the Neverhood yeah. is so, like, it's so deliberately, it's deliberately antagonistic in places. It, the problem, the biggest problem I have with the Neverhood is that that deliberate antagonism is not always there. And sometimes it is just badly designed. Well, that's the thing. Those are just irritating. Because you said that the Neverhood sets out its stall in the second frame when a door punches you in the face. I actually think, yeah. I actually think it sets out its stall in the first frame. Because... The problem with this game, and you kind of were in a debate on whether or not it was... You were talking about it being rushed, even though it clearly had so much effort go into it. Yeah, but I would battling... say... I would say it was rushed because of the amount of effort that went into it. It's like, well, we've worked on this for so long, so we have to fit a big, as big a game as we can into this amount of work that we've done. Because it takes... If we want to add another room and another puzzle, that's hundreds of hours... That's so much work oh, no, to do but, that. But I think I think I think the problem with it is the stuff where it's lazy is the stuff that was actually the thing they should have been putting the mo- like. So the stuff that's lazy is really stuff like the end cutscene is really lazy. I, the well, story I th- is lazy. I get the impression like, that the end cutscene in most of those old games was one of the last things they did. You always kind abs- of get yeah. Which is so stupid of them. It should have well, yeah. like. They should have done all the animation for the cutscenes and then designed the game yeah. rather than just rush through. And the fact that it's recorded on video camera as opposed to proper film, meaning yeah. that, like, you know how it looks really bad and grainy and bad quality? That's the best they, it will ever look, yeah, yeah. They can never fix that unless <laughs> they literally remake the game. Which is amazing. And I don't because mean, it... like, computer remake. I mean, get some clay and crack on <laughs> Which is amazing because it means not only is the Neverhood a joke on me and a joke on Ed, it's also a joke on the people who made it. 100%. The the comparison I made in the uh, podcast was to the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. It's so that. It's so much effort. It's so much time. It's so high budget and so much has been pushed to make this thing work. And the people making it don't really get what they're doing. Yeah. I, so but, I love it. Look, we, we're but, so we're running over so much old ground here. But that was the thing. I, what I was going to say was, I my thought was that it, it really sets out its stall in the first frame because what happens is the f- literal first thing you do is you pull a lever and a hammer hits a door. And I walked over to the door thinking that it had opened and it hadn't because what you have to do is you have to pull the lever three times to open the door. And that is the neverhood in a nutshell. Is it is something yeah. that could be done could easily be done simply, has to be done in the way that elongates it the most. I mean... Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, first of all, it looks like an Aardman animator took bath salts. It's, yeah, they're it, not as good as Aardman. They're just, they're, just, they're just not as good. No, not at all. But the, I, I agree with you. It, this is why I ummed and ahd about putting it one up. And it's not... A, I mean, I guess you could look at it as a criticism on the game that's above this, and I obviously won't give that away. But I did... I did laugh a, a good number of occasions. Like, I did I did find the secret end. Well, not so secret ending, because it's, it's literally signposted. I found yes. the bit where you fought the world, and that did make me laugh. And I had to reload a save that was about five minutes back, and I didn't care. Because... That joke's, 
because that joke was brilliant. It's amazing, and it's the the what's amazing to it is the commitment, is the literal because it could just easily go the end. No, not really, and it could fade to black and re put you there. But it's an actual ending, and that's so so funny. And yeah. you know, my, I I do have. Did you listen to um one of the puzzles is um uh when you have to tune a radio. Yes. Which, which, yeah. by the way, I'm using the word puzzles with. I've, I've literally put two quotation marks around the word puzzles in my notes. Um, Frustrating admin. Yeah, I mean, it's there's one puzzle you didn't talk about that I do want to talk about, but um. Okay. Okay. So the radio. So there's well, different radio stations. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the radio. Um. It, basically, what you have to do is it, when you walk in there, the radio is switched off, but it doesn't. It, it's not actually switched off because it's playing a radio station where someone is singing in a very weird voice about roast dinner. Well, yeah, so, look, I think the best thing about The Neverhood is the music. Oh, The album it, is it, brilliant. I, I agree, but one of the things that happens is when you do find out how to switch it on, I mean, that annoyed me anyway because I didn't know that it wasn't switched on because it was playing fucking music, which is what a radio does when it's switched on. So the walkthrough yeah. was like, you need to switch the radio. And I was like, well, clearly it is switched on. It's playing music. But when you switch on, I scrolled through the radio stations and I didn't know which one I was looking for because it, it, there's no signposting on which one you're looking for at all. And it, the walkthrough claims it, it did, but there's it's one way, of those... There's a way to know, yeah. There is, but it's because it's like, it's the background music in this room. It's like, brilliant. That's not signposting, that's obtuse. But one of the things that happens is I was scrolling through and I started listening briefly to every single radio station that wasn't static. And there was one that was like a fake sound effect CD. Yeah. And that was objectively funny. It was like yeah. it was like sound effect CD number 32. Man sitting, thinking in his chair. And that's just... And it was just <laughs> things like that. It was just like a list of different sound effects where the sound was silence. But that's the thing. The thing that makes that to me with with regards to Neverhood and its sense of humour mm. is that it has jokes like that in it, which are clearly like we are zany Looney Tunes crazy. We're, we're sort of edgier than Warner Brothers type things. But yeah. like, it's still like it's all slapstick and it's all fun. But then so much of the game is actually horrible things happening to the main character. Yeah. And the only conclusion you can make is, oh, they think that's funny rather than terrifying. You, you also, the f you didn't bring up the fact that the two friends he makes along the way, Willy Trombone and Bill the Robot, the way he makes friends with Bill the Robot is he sh deliberately shoots him in the face. Well, he's... he's with he's a cannon. His switch is set to evil at that point. So but all he's doing, all you see him doing, is trying to reach a teddy. This is what I mean by the story is not thought out. No, it's not at all, because the first thing that happens is, you don't, first of all, you don't know his switch is set to evil. He, the audience doesn't know. Even when you see, oh, it was set to evil, he was just trying to get a teddy bear. Chris, there is a way to know. Oh, God. Read the Hall of Records. You're kidding. It's in the Hall of Records. Oh, then, yeah, then, yeah, shoot him in the face. Yeah, s yeah. sorry, yeah. Should have read that. Yeah, I should have done it. There's literally one yeah. chapter in the Hall I of Records done, that's actually... I should have read it, shouldn't I, Lewis? I should have read that. There's one chapter in the Hall of Records that's actually relevant to the game you're playing that explains the backstory of specifically the Neverhood. Put it at the beginning! No, because it's not canonically at the beginning. It's. I think it's the penultimate book of the thing, anyway. 
I can't believe you're preaching to me the Bible of the neverhood. But I, I mean, the puzzle I wanted to bring up that I'm really surprised. Like this, this puzzle sums up. Like it kind of sums up the era of point and click puzzle games that they're not fucking puzzles. Which is, one is this? This is the very last puzzle of the game. It's the there are five Ooh. chords, and you and you have that fly trap machine that eats one of the chords and holds it in place. And it is a... It, it yes, is, it's a callback to the first It's a callback to the, the first puzzle. And what happens is there are five chords. One, three, and five do nothing. Two lowers the bridge. Four opens the gate. You need them both to be pulled down in order to leave. Yeah. You need the bridge to be lowered and you need the gate to be opened. But you can't do either. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is to push it to one that does nothing, deliberately get eaten, and then it happens to spit you through the thing. It's an entire red oh, herring. Right. I love that's a great puzzle because it's a misdirect. It's a misdirect on the first puzzle, which makes you think the solution is this. But no, and and this is something that I think also stands by the first three, and something that is consistent throughout the Neverhood. It's a physical puzzle. It's about knowing what you can do in the space and being spat out by the monster is something that is established. One of the first things that happens in the game is you get eaten by that monster and it spits you out somewhere else. So I 100% disagree. That puzzle makes complete sense and is one of the very few puzzles that is actually really good in the game. This is a completely audible podcast, so you can't see the look of, like, befuddlement that I have, which is, like, when that happened, it was, weirdly, it may have just been because... At that point, I'd been playing the Neverhood for two days, and it was the only game that I was really focusing on. And the slow realization was creeping in that I was being punked. But that was the. I think that might have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Because, you know, there's no point in going through. My notes are basically like retreading old ground. I timed the times I had to backtrack. Backtracking is appalling. The backtracking yeah. is a huge problem. That's just that that I will admit is just bad design. That's not a deliberate prank on their part. They're just not thinking through their layouts. Yeah, I mean the the most egregious one was um, the memory thing that you, which again you the talked memory about. Puzzle memory puzzle. Memory puzzle. Every time you get it wrong. Yeah, seven minutes and ten seconds to backtrack for that. Which, by the way, is seven minutes and ten seconds of literally going back over old ground to get somewhere else. Yeah, um, non-skip cutscenes. Uh, five minutes and ten seconds to backtrack to see what combination of the liquid on the side of the mountain. Uh, four minutes to backtrack to ring a bell. Again, not mentioned. You you hear a cowbell, so you have to ring a cowbell. Yeah. And the walkthrough said, "Oh, you may recognise the cowbell." And I went, "Will I? Are you sure?" And it <laughs> no, says, "You can also miss that cowbell." Also, you hear it, and it's a cowbell, and you're like, "It's just a fucking cowbell." Of course I'm not going to take note of it. It's a ca- it's a cowbell in a game where you pulled a cord. It doesn't mean the thing, anything. The thing that this is the problem with the Neverhood is that it's like aesthetically and like it's it's like world is fascinating and interesting and unusual. And that's really why I like it is that it's super unusual. It's and in a way that's like immediate and viscerally unusual and slightly unnerving. The problem is is that the game part of it is really bad. It is. It's really bad. I mean it, it it's it's an affront to the idea of puzzles because basically here's the summary of every puzzle in the neverhood what am i thinking lewis oh if you want to know what i'm thinking i wrote it on a signpost that you walked past two miles ago do you not remember go and read the signpost (laughs) and then come back yeah that's every puzzle in the neverhood yeah pretty much there's one or two like actual puzzles that are in there. there's one where you have to um 
uh, uh, like use water levels to make a flute play the right notes. That's quite a good one. That was the point where I used the... Um, that's where I started using the walkthrough because I didn't use a walkthrough up until that point. That was the last thing. I, so I did the jack-in-the-box thing. I did the shifting squares one. I did pretty much everything, but that was the point where I used the walkthrough because I didn't know how to get the water. Because oh, I didn't. I d- you need to pick up the tube. Well, I had the tube, but I didn't like it, because what happened was I turned on the water, and then there was no water coming out of the other tap. So I thought, well, that's clearly not it. We're currently explaining how to complete puzzles in a video game that nobody listening will ever play. So you were, here's the, the thing: I I actually think that because because Jordan said Jordan's my partner. Um, she asked me, would you would you ever recommend anyone play this game? And I actually went. I, I think I would. Ah. Because it, it's because it, the curse on. Not necessarily that, because it is entirely unique. It is like it, it's it's really sort of the 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 actual humor in it is very much fourth wall breaking, like proper fourth wall breaking. Like the joke is on the player, which. I do yeah. respect. Like again, you also didn't mention if you eat the fruit from the tree, you burp. Did you For ages? Eat... Yeah, I, I. That was the point that Jordan decided. I hate this game, and I wish you would stop playing it. And it was kind of the point that I went. I think I respect this game. <laughs> it's an impossible game to evaluate because, as a, objectively as a video game, it's not very good. But it it, it will never leave my head. It's completely lodged in there. It'll, it's just. It, it's it, trapped forever. It'll probably never leave mine. There's an awful lot of stuff in there that I and I've played. I've played so many video games. I played. I even played games from that era. Like when I was trying to get all the software to run, I saw people talking about some of the old storybook games that I used to play as a as a kid on my Mac. Um, on the family Mac, I didn't have like an entire Mac computer as a four year old. But um, like, <laughs> and and it's just you know been playing games for so long, and that is gonna. It, I would never want to play it again. And if someone said, do you recommend I play it? I'd go, yes, but don't finish it. I'd say get a guide. Get a guide. No, no, because the thing is, even if you get a guide, and I got a guide, I had a guide, you still have to do the backtracking. That's true. So it's, because the the guide goes, the the guide has has these really weird moments of being like, oh, you may recognise this from the, no. Because here's You've got the thing. A particularly jovial guide. You got a particularly. Familiar I think we had the guide. same fucking guide because I don't think there's a real market for Neverhood guides. I think I, we read exactly the same one. I do think. Um, uh, no, I can't. I can't really defend it any further. I, no, I, I like it. I like it. I genuinely recommended it when I recommended it. Replaying it made me realise that I had played quite a horrible prank. I think maybe the ideal experience is to play that demo I played as a child because it only lets you go so far. <laughs> Do you want to know the one of the one of the worst things that happened to me while I was playing the Neverhood? What was that? It was because every time I I used the guide, I realized no, I should stop using the guide. I should give. I I, sh- I should try and do it without the guide. That's in the spirit of the game because I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, as, as soon as you crack out the guide, don't put it away. Yeah, <laughs> I, I and I kept trying to put it away. And at one point when I tried to put it away is when you get into the villain's hideout. And I found two more of the discs. And by the way, there was a mistake in what you and Ed were saying. The discs you find aren't... aren't if, if you find a disc on the floor, it's not always the same part of the film. They're found in a sequential order. So the, you could leave the first one that you find in the first room. And if you pick it up last, it'll be the last part of the film that it always will be. 
Okay. They're entirely found in a, in a sequential order. And I found this out because as I put the last two in, I realized I was missing one. That, and, that is the terror moment in that game because you're suddenly like, I don't know which one I've missed. Yeah, because that's the thing. My first, my first thought was, oh dear, I didn't 100% it. I, for the first time in my life, I don't give a shit. And then, <laughs> and then after a while, when I couldn't figure out where one of the keys is, I said, you have to watch the entire film with all the discs you should have found. And I went, fuck. Okay, let me count along. Which disc number is it? Oh, it's disc number, like, I don't know, 12. Okay, let me look up a list of all the discs. Where's disc 12? And the list of the discs makes it very clear. Oh, they're not specific. That'll just be the last one you find. It could be any of these 20. And I think at that point I closed the laptop, put my head in my hands, and and questioned if I would prefer it if you'd ask someone else to do it. This is this is the again part of me wants to chalk, part of me wants to chalk that up to bad design. They didn't know what they're doing. Part of me also thinks that's just hilarious. Well, it's it, such genius on their part. That the game is, <laughs> I think it's like twenty six discs you need to get to finish it or something. And if you miss one, there's no way to know which one you're missing. So you kind of have to play the whole game again. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of dropped lucky because one of the ones where I thought maybe I missed this one turned out to be the right one. But I could just have easily have like got to the end of the Hall of Records and been so befuddled by what I saw that I didn't pick up that one at the you end. That could, that, that could oh have been... Oh my God. Can you imagine the amount of children in the 90s for whom the one disc they hadn't yet got was the one at the end of the Hall of Records. I think everyone got to the end of the Hall of Records because I don't think a single person got to screen number 12 and thought, yeah, oh, I'm less know. than halfway there. They will have thought, clearly this will be the last one. Surely this will be the last one. It's such a sunk cost fallacy, but also at the same time, it's not because you do need to do it. Yeah. It's, I mean... I, I w- the positives are, I, d- I did laugh non-ironically a few times. I got not insignificant amount of the way through the game without a guide, and I will genuinely never forget it. The downsides are, it e- everything else. <laughs> well, that's your number six. That's my number six. That's your number six. My number six, Chris, uh, is the Simpsons game. Hold on, the internet went a bit funny. Um, I didn't quite catch what game you said. I, I don't want to embarrass you by saying what I think you said, but could you just say that again? It was the Simpsons game. The Simpsons Hang on, game was number six. Hold on, did I miss it? Have we done like six, five, four, three, and two already? No, 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 no. The number six is the Simpsons game. Number six, number six is the Simpsons game. Uh, the reason it's number six, very high up my list. I've been telling very everyone well to get this high. I've been telling everyone that I won. You didn't win, even when you even when you came on the podcast, you didn't win. Um, no, I, look, you've got I, I've a, even told you. Got you. Higher, you got it higher than Persona Five, so you did beat a game that was the best video game I've never played. Um, but that's just because Zach tricked me with his charm. Um, Again, the implication being that I did not trick you with mine. No, you didn't. Uh, so the Simpsons <laughs> game. I liked it. I liked it. There was a lot about it I enjoyed. I think the, you know, I like platformers. This was an interesting platformer with interesting mechanics. I did hate the combat. Square, square, triangle is terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think it's kind of appropriate that it's next to the Neverhood in some respects. Because the thing that also sticks with me about the Simpsons game 
is the completely batshit ending that we discussed. Where Which, at one point yeah. Thomas Jefferson comes out of a Starbucks that had recently been built by Elf Ralph Wiggums while in heaven. <laughs> you then have to fight and kill him and then you then go on to defeat God in a game of DDR. Like, a complete madness. A complete, like, mental breakdown on the behalf of the people writing the video game. I will say, and I, I may sound biased, but if you f- some fucking how got this far into this podcast and you haven't listened to the podcast about the Simpsons game... You know, I, I may be biased because I'm on it, but Lewis has a fantastic breakdown. It's a look, yeah, that was a very it's fun one. So good. I was and so look, I was so proud of myself. It's a very good match at the Simpsons game in terms of like I had I actually had a mostly quite good time playing it and I would mm. like I would say it's I would recommend it in the sense of if you are interested in it and you can get it for less than a tenner, yeah, actually it's an interesting time. It's quite good. Um it's a pain in the ass to play, unfortunately, because it's only on the PS3 and Xbox 360. Yeah. Um, but yeah, interesting game. Interesting game. Yeah, I'm, I mean, five, I'm, Chris. I'm definitely proud that it got that far up because, um, you know, it, it kind of is as a joke, but I've I've really enjoyed telling people that I won the series because I say it with no level of irony and no grin um, <laughs> because I just th- think it would be funny if people believed me. And we've met up in person, and every now and then I will slip into the conversation that I did win. And I will, I will remind you you didn't. But sometimes you don't remind me, and I sit to myself uh, no, grinning. No, but that's that's just that's just I'm I'm bored of that part of your. Or I or you didn't hear it. it by it, the time you're doing it, that. it's 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 one of those two. Either you don't, either you can't be bothered to correct me, or you didn't hear that there was something to correct. But what happens if is it, when you. If a child says why enough times, you just ignore it. That's essentially <laughs> what happens when you don't deny it. Is I sit there going, <laughs> I brought him the best game. Chris, I am saying this as a good friend to you and as someone for who I asked you on because I thought this would be a lot of fun for us to discuss this. And yeah. so I, I fully, I fully, sincerely mean this when you say when I say this to you. Um, that is pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> But I think of all those times we've sat in the pub and every time like I've slipped under the radar, I am thinking in my head, ha, ha, ha. I okay, did it. Well, g- good for you. <laughs> oh, good. You and deluded, I still will. I still will. little boy. I will, int- I will. Yeah. Okay. So um, my number five. Um, uh, so fifth best or second worst, depending on your outlook on life. Um, Alan Wake. Really? Yeah. I, okay. I, I, this is this is legitimately the second time, and the fact that you nearly put that below the Neverhood as well. Look, because... I, right. I'm gonna look. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna blow my top on this. I'm just gonna I've fully it go for it. When when I I've gave done it again. When when I gave Charles Allen Wake, it was a sincere recommendation because I remember really loving it, and then that before, when we did all that. Like, the only link was that Alan Wake was maybe coming back in Control. Yeah. Like, Control was having its DLC moment. They've since re- released a remaster of Alan Wake. They have. And announced a sequel for it. The remaster got really solid, positive reviews. Everyone was like, oh, it's good Alan Wake's back. And Alan Wake 2's announcement was like, oh, fantastic. Alan Wake 2, the game we've all been waiting for. Now you're the second person to come to me and be like, I don't know, Alan Wake. I... Like, fuck you guys. It's a good <laughs> name. I listened to the podcast where you talked uh, with no, this time it was Charles, yeah, it was Charles. Good, yeah. you talked with you talked with Charles about it, and I actually have to say, I even though I 
kind of agree with his overall conclusion. I found myself very much disagreeing with his reasons. Okay. I, I, the problem I had, and here's the interesting thing, because, you know, I've mentioned her a couple of times, but um, Jordan has seen me play four of these six games, and Alan Wake was an interesting one, because actually, she had played it. She had played, yeah, when I started playing it, and I said, I have to play Alan Wake, she went, oh, okay, I played that, I think she maybe even played it the year it came out, Um, and the reason why she played it is because she's not a big video gamer, but she's got these, these kind of weird sort of enclaves of video game experience. So, like, she she would kind of call us... She's playing Breath of the Wild right now, I think, possibly as we speak. Um, but she's she's not quite as avid. But when she was a kid, she loved Silent Hill 2. Right. Well, I can see why someone who loves Silent Hill 2 would pick up Alan Wake and think, hooray, but then not really. And that's kind of the... One of the... One of the problems I had with it is I went into it thinking it was a horror game. And it, it has horror themes. No, it 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 has it, it has the look of certain horror films. The problem is the problem I had with Alan Wake, and by the way, I, I this is going to sound like a running theme, but I did um and ah about this being here or the one above. This okay. th- this it's not it's not fifth because because I played the first five games and this was the fifth one I played and I undenied about putting it on the bottom or second to the bottom and I will also say I didn't actively dislike it it annoyed okay, me okay it annoyed me very much so at times but I didn't actively dislike it and one of the things I I found myself thinking it would be better if the game had done this and okay. and and the thing is I don't consider myself to be an expert on anything. I I think you know. I when I think it'd be better if if it did this. If I think that about something, I then think a lot less of that thing because I think, well, an idiot like me has just thought of a pretty good suggestion. How how did you not see that? I can't believe that your way to like talk down a game is to basically insult yourself as a means by which to critique <laughs> it, I think it adds credence to the criticism think, rather than going I know everything it's like I know nothing but I knew this one of the things that's actually quite interesting about Alan Wake that I only found out after we recorded that podcast was that it was originally developed to be an open world video game yeah I read that and they found it didn't work as one so they backtracked and basically turned the open world they'd built into a series of levels which when you play it suddenly makes a lot more sense yeah what i will say is one of the easiest suggestions that i could think of and you did talk about this a bit is um if they wanted it to be a horror game easy suggestion Mm. more stealth not every enemy knows where you are yeah although again there's a part of it that's like well that's quite not necessarily what they'd built the game to be implemented with. But equally, what that would mean is that it is that you would see light as more of a sanctuary rather than like just, oh, there's the next part of the game to go to. Because you well, would see that and be did like... You, did you play the the downloadable chapters, the, the signal and the writer? No, because I was, I was slightly up against it for time. 
That's fair enough. I will say those chapters are a bit more like what you're suggesting. For one thing, they are significantly harder. Yeah, because I found myself... The other thing that I that really stuck out to me, I'm kind of looking at my notes, but the, the problem with writing notes as a stream of conscious thing is it's very difficult to get a handle on a point to bring up. Um, <laughs> I might read some of them out verbatim because I think, I think some of them were written in the throes of me being annoyed. Um, but one of the things that I... Um, uh, where, where is it? Oh, um, ammo is in the first chapter. I really conserved like my batteries. Like I found out that oh, yeah. the batteries recharge if you just leave them. I don't know why. It really cuts down on the tension. If they didn't recharge, it would mean that there is more scarcity. It's a bit like if a, if you left your gun alone long enough, bullets would magically reappear in it. Uh, and health also comes back, which I think is a big mistake. Um. But uh, I, I health, so health only comes back if you go into the light, though, doesn't it? it doesn't no, it comes back. It comes back automatically. I mean, to be fair, Chris, it's sounding like most of your problems are solved by just putting this game on a harder difficulty. I put it on the hardest difficulty available to me because <laughs> nightmare difficulty, for some reason, wasn't available. So I chose the second one down from that, which was described <laughs> right, as normal. All right, all right. But I, the the main thing I was just thinking is like at the end of the first chapter. I had a lot of ammo in my pistol, and then I started the next chapter, and I had to find a torch again. And I thought, okay, fair enough. And I get, and I somewhere in the second chapter, I found a shotgun. I was like, oh, oh, a shotgun. That's really useful. I'll never use it because because it's a bit like when I got a shotgun in Tomb Raider as a kid. It's like, oh, really cool, but I'm not going to use it because it's very limited. So I'll obviously save it for a time that I'll never deem appropriate. And sure. then I got to the end of that chapter, and for some reason, Alan Wake had flushed his gun and bullets and torch down a toilet, and had decided, oh god, I'm out alone in a dark forest without a torch again, when will I learn I'm Alan Wake? And then he had to find <laughs> another torch and another gun, and I was like, so the shotgun that I saved has gone, and I found yeah, another you, shotgun. You've, you've misunderstood Alan Wake, it's not a survival horror game. It's no, and, 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 I, and I clicked that, by about like episode three, I thought, there's no point in saving things and at that point yeah. i realized quite how abundant everything was and i was i mean alan wake was one of the lightest games i ever played because i was lighting flares left and right yeah yeah but that that's i would argue is the design of alan wake it's it's an action game really but at that like point i mean it's I, not a survival horror game. in fact when they announced alan wake 2 a couple weeks back mm. they explicitly said alan wake is changing genres it's going to become a survival horror game I just think it 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 wouldn't because I uh, your podcast you used the word horror a few times which I disagreed with. And well, it's like it, a Stephen King thriller. It's got it's definitely got sort of ghosts and horror elements and like I mean there's the whole like the the uh, the the dark lake cauldron lake and like the sort of parallel dark world. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll be honest. One of the things that happened is because this was one of the games I borrowed your PC for, and it was on a slightly lower graphical setting, um, and there was some major texture popping when they arrive at the lake. So the lake island that they were staying on hadn't loaded. There was no cabin and no bridge. And your wife oh said, "And your wife said, look how beautiful it is." And it was <laughs> and, and it was objectively very funny. Well, look, that's that's my bad. I oh, no, no, no. Which, I did, which turned I, out to be a, a massive mistake. I did not, not in any way criticise the game for that. I just thought that was very funny. I mean, one of the Chris, most... Abs- it's going gonna, it's gonna to break your heart. When that when that computer was a Windows machine, it could run that game on the highest settings. Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing, because you said, I'm sorry that it doesn't run things well, and the only game I played on it was Gone Home, and I was like, it runs things perfectly fine. I don't know what you're on about. 
Um, you played Alan Wake and you went, oh, fuck, it doesn't run games very well. Also, for the first time I played it, I had to. I hadn't realised that fixing it was turning it off and on again, but for the, I played it for like three hours the first night, and for every single cutscene, it didn't play sound. So I had to That's load... That's problem with SteamOS. That's so I, ha- I had to load up a YouTube video of all the cutscenes of Alan Wake and, pl- and sort of try and sync them. Um... Bless you. I can't believe how hard I made it. I'm really sorry. No, because the, th- the weird thing is, I, I mean, it was kind of, in the end, it was my fault because the next day it worked fine. So the solution was just turn it off and on again. So it's it's that Even one then, that right. one I anyway, take on the chin. Not the game's fault. This is also a, this is a review for Steam OS, by the way. <laughs> Don't use it. It's pure crap. Hopefully the Steam Deck fixes it, but at the moment it's just terrible. Yeah, I, I also um, just looking through. Um, yeah, at one point, and this is how I know that health regenerates. I wrote some of these notes down while the game was unpaused. Because I needed more battery and more health, and I didn't oh, feel so you're it. just hanging around. Yeah, and 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 I was sort of like again. This was when I was still kind of thinking because you said it was you. You used the word horror a couple of times. You and um, you and uh, Charles. Uh, Charles. Yep. Sorry, I'm very sorry. I've, no, sorry, I've sorry. you've got very similar names. Um, it, I mean, they begin with the same letter, and so does mine. So I'm, I clearly struggle, but um. The the thing is, if you look up Wikipedia on uh, if you look at it on Wikipedia, at no point does Alan Wake say that it's a horror game. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm being unfair comparing it to a horror game. But it won an award for being a horror game. I think it opens with as well with like Stephen King said, a horror story is a story where you you can't explain it or whatever, which is a huge cop out because the ending of the game is like we don't explain shit. I also this this is again the the other criticism that sort of is related to if I can think of a better one, I think much less of what exists. Um, I thought I created a better ending in my head. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you, slam on your brakes right now. The DLC chapters are basically essential to understand the story. It's not about understanding. It's okay. So I guess I guess we'll throw on some spoilers. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, spoilers for Alan Wake. Yeah, skip ahead a little bit, and which we'll... matter now because you can go and play the remaster, which was very warmly received by every other game critic except me. I was sat there in the corner going, "It will be better." Charles apparently don't give a, you know. This game that won an award. For being I, a I will game, say. You I will say. Consider it being a horror game. That is the. That's the thing. When I was listening to the, because I played the game and then I listened to the podcast to sort of like gauge an idea of what Charles thought of it. And Charles kept saying the word boring, and I thought, okay, I, I don't want to, you know, a theme of what I'm going to say is everyone's criticism about the games that were played before is perfectly valid because they're their criticism, and that's going to come into play later yeah. on in the podcast. Okay. Um, but. I I wouldn't at any point say boring. I understand that it's not engaging, but w- one of the things that happens in the final chapter is when you're going through this hurricane of like words that you have to shine a torch on. Um, mm. There is a sound clip of your partner saying that she's going to leave you because she doesn't love you anymore. Yeah. And I thought, That's oh, weird, yeah, for me. And I thought, oh, is that what the game's going to be? The game's going to be, he's not, because co- obviously every single person who's like ever thought creatively in their lives went into this and went, okay, what is this a metaphor for? Like mm. every single, like, I know you will have done, I, I know I did going, okay, so what's the, what's the deal here? Um, what's the symbolism? Because we're wankers. Um, and I thought, oh, because the most common thing to think is, oh, he's, he's trying to get, it's all, even, even brought up in the game that he's grieving about the loss of his wife. And I thought, oh no, he's 
he's grieving because his wife left him. And this whole game is him coming to terms that he's with the fact that he's a massive piece of shit. I mean, it, I mean, look, the second part you're right about. The second part is it like so again. This is big spoilers for Alan Wake, and it's also kind of spoilers for the DLC chapters, which I would really encourage you to play because they're also actually the best part of the game. Um, because you know that mechanic where you shine lights on words and then the things appear. Yeah, that's throughout the DLC, and it's really cool. I actually did. Um, I actually did enjoy that, especially because it was after that chapter, which I hated. So the thing is, is that look, I'm not 100. percent It's been a while since I played Alan Wake, but I'm pretty sure the whole point of the game is. He is lost in his work, literally in this case, lost in his work. And while he's lost in his work, Mr. Scratch, who is sort of the evil version of him, the sort of negative emotions version, all the nasty versions of him, mm-hmm. he takes his place. So while Alan is working, uh, an abusive, horrible version of him is living his life. Okay. So that's what's going on, I think, in Alan Wake. And that's sort of why... Like, it's also, I, I say that, but it is also literal. The things that are happening in Alan Wake are literally happening. I didn't care for that. And that's something that Control explores a lot more of. Yeah. Uh, and there's also actually, there's a, there's a sub-spin-off game, which I talked about, Charles, called Alan Wake's American Nightmare. Yeah. Which I really like. And in, in a lot of respect, I, I at the time it was sort of fairly mixed reception, but I think I like Alan Wake's American Nightmare more than I like Alan Wake. Yeah. Um, it's a lot more action focused and like the bits that are like the bits where you see Mr. Scratch are a lot more like Twilight Zone fuck you interesting moments. Yeah. I I I guess before I go into one of the biggest things that I actually hated about Alan Wake and this was We've an got action to speed this up. We've, you've got so many more games to get through. I know, I know. I I will do a very quick uh, compliment. Um it it's amazing how afraid the game makes you feel around inanimate objects. Yeah, because they can suddenly smack you in the head. I, as soon as that became a thing and you're sort of twitching because you walk around, you, you've just been attacked by a train carriage and you walk around a corner and there's a train carriage there and you're like, oh, shit. And it's a complete inanimate object and you walk away feeling like a bit of a burk. But you're like, okay, fair play, Alan Wake. You did make me feel that. Um, this is a thing that I, like, I, you know, can call up criticism for the story and the gameplay. Admittedly, my criticism is rooted in, I thought of something that I think would be more interesting in a genre that m- maybe we can all agree it isn't a part of. Um, what I've done is I've created a better horror game and a story for a more interesting game that isn't this. But it, it it's not this, so that's not the point. The one thing I did hate is the ch- chapter five when you, the sheriff, and Barry are all together. Mm. I hated that. With Why a, did you hate that? Because... It's been a long time. I don't remember much about that chapter. Because... Okay. I think I think you've upset some people by your opinions on games, so I'm going to upset some people. I think we should be in this together. I... I have... I hate the way... Joss Whedon writes dialogue. Oh, right. You think it was quippy? I, quippy I despise you? it entirely because I always feel like this isn't the time. <laughs> and and one of Jordan's, she, she may... I don't think she is listening because I don't think she cares. But one of her favourite TV shows is Buffy the Vampire Slayer and she has tried to get me to watch it and I have watched it to my credit. And I, and I don't hate it, but I... I like it less when when people in it talk. 
because just take it fucking seriously for a second. Can you take it seriously for a second? And that whole chapter was me sitting there with them quipping at each other and Alan Wake joins in and you're just like... You- look, right, I... Look, maybe... Okay, there's that one chapter where they're writing quippy, talking quippy stuff. The game mostly does take itself... I would say that it, one of the criticisms you can level at it is take itself a bit too seriously sometimes. I guess, but then there's like a really jarring moment where the three of them are together and like Alan Wake out of nowhere is sort of like, yeah, I've, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I'm just not going to see my wife again. It's like as, as delivered as a quip while Barry's wearing a torch and saying that he is the Eye of Sauron. And I'm just like, I just... I. I'm, uh, do you know what? I miss walking around alone in a forest. Because it's like the second to last <laughs> which chapter. Is, which is most of the game. Oh, it is. It's amazing how often it contrives you to walk alone through a forest. It's actually, it, it becomes comical at times that it's like... It, or, it, he will literally black out and wake up in forests. Yeah, all roads lead back to walking at night through a forest. And, you know, you could take a snapshot at every part of the game and you wouldn't be able to identify if it was chapter one or chapter six. But it... Did you like that part about it? I like that about Alan Wake, that you can play like a chapter in an evening and then be like, okay. I kind of lost on me because I did two chapters in a night and then I spent six hours doing the last four. I see. I I liked that you could do that, but I'll be honest, it was more of a sprint finish because chapter five was the one where I spent most of it with Barry and the sheriff. And I just, I, I just wanted, I wanted to go in there and say, Barry, for a second, for just a second, can you try shutting up? To be fair, that's fairly ties into his character somewhat because he is supposed to be quite annoying and. Oh well, he, he, I understand even, why. Even even Alan's a bit like uh, Barry. I get it, but, but but he's a bad influence on that. And I'll t- take Alan to one side and say, look, you've you've got potential. Your work shows potential, <laughs> but you you're hanging around Maybe with look. these people who are turning you into something that you're not. Let's I let's hold out hope for Alan Wake Two. I think Alan Wake Two will be good. It's meant to be survival horror. It looks certainly from the trailer. It looks a lot more horror tinged, and they look like they're expanding on the stuff I was interested in, which is the stuff involving Mister Scratch. Yeah, just you know, and if you and if you like the sound of the game that I described, just play Silent Hill Two. It's essentially what I described. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm yeah. not, not going to try and pretend that Alan Wake and Silent. I don't really think they're compatible. The the, I, the comparison I always make is Alan Wake is like Resident Evil Four. Mm. But it's not it's not as good as Resident Evil 4, but they're kind of like, it's a third-person shooty action game. Like, it has horror elements, but it's not really like... Yeah, yeah. I liked it. I thought it was unusual. I, I didn't it dislike it. I need to make that clear, because I I had all those problems with it. But I did... I, I went into it with an open mind, and maybe I'd have liked it more if, they, if the goal of this wasn't to come on and criticise. Maybe I wouldn't have noticed that. I mean, I definitely would have at some point muted the dialogue in one of the chapters, and maybe it would have maybe I'd have made it less of a sprint to the end. Um, yeah. Also, I'm so glad I played this on PC and didn't start getting trophies for it because I would right now be trying to get all the collectibles. And yeah, no, that would be a nightmare in this game because it's linear, but there are pickups. It's kind of like Uncharted in that respect. Yeah, and uh... I, w- I would say though, do go do go play those downloadable chapters while you've still got it. They are really good. I might probably, do. Like I say, they're probably the best part, and they make the ending better as well. Okay, May- maybe. Okay, my number five is, uh, and this might surprise people because probably certainly I think the person who brought it on would have expected this to have been lower by now. Uh, which is The Witcher 3. I also expected that to be lower on the list. 
I will be honest about The Witcher. There's loads of things. And if you go listen back to the old podcast, there's loads of things I can criticize about The Witcher 3. Yeah. Except that it is still quite good. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day. I mean, it's I... It's still a good video game. I, I, am a, I am a big fan. I actually... Um, I've played it on PlayStation 4, all the DLC, and I'm even... Um, I, I I may possibly be, as a Christmas present, getting the Switch version. I'm quite excited about that. That's a bold move to get the the Switch version. I hope I hope it's good for you. Well, I yeah, but it all, it, all it has to do is work well enough, and then I can play Witcher whilst having a shit. So I just don't see the appeal of that because it's just it's the thing about The Witcher Three is is that I felt like the thing that dragged it down for me was that it mostly became a runny round talky game. Again, and... I I I I liked the I'm I'm taking Sam's position on this. I did enjoy the running around talky bits. That's fine. That's fine. And this is it. It's my number five game. I'm also yeah, yeah, kind of talking I'm... down. I thought it was a good game on the whole. And I think when they release the next gen versions of it, I might go check out the Blood and Wine downloadable content because someone I... told me that's really, really good. I would recommend that. I actually, uh, I, I liked Blood and Wine as a visual thing, as an extension to The Witcher. But I think as a story, I did prefer Hearts of Stone. Hearts of Stone as well. I, I'll probably go get both of these 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 expansions because, yeah, like yeah. I say, ultimately people have said to me these are the these are really really good. And yeah, I think quite a lot of the small issues I had to it were the fact that it was a bit a bit buggy, a bit glitchy. And I'm kind of hoping the next gen version fixes that. Though, kind of knowing CD Projekt Red, it might not. Well, uh, yeah, but CD Projekt Red might have retreated into into wanting to obscure that reputation because as a massive fan of Bethesda I think we can all agree that that's a reputation that sticks yeah well I mean people are excited for Elder Scrolls 6 so I don't I don't know how true that is Lewis, like, I'm excited for Elder Scrolls 6 and I, Beth- Bethesda have done everything in their power to make me hate them as a company and yeah. they were one of the reasons they were in fact Oblivion was the reason I bought a PS3 and they have yet to release Oblivion as a remaster on the Switch I would I would pay full price for that just can can I have it? I think maybe you will get that, but I don't. I don't know. I mean, they're in a they're in a strange position now, aren't they, Bethesda? Because they're owned by Xbox, and I mean, they've got they've got their new Star game coming out. I think that would be the ultimate test. Is if if the oh, what's it called Star something Starlink or something like that Star, Star Fleet Starlink Star Trekking across the universe. Star, I can't remember what it's called Star Starfield. 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 Oh. I was so convinced it was Starlink, but I guess that's something else. No, Starlink is uh, an Ubisoft Star Fox clone, basically, that used toys to life ships. Um, <laughs> so there you go. That's yeah. that's just off the top of my head. I know that apparently. But yeah, I think The Witcher Three. Uh, the Witcher Three actually is a very good example of exactly uh, a game I really thought I was going to fucking hate and drag myself through and be like, fucking hell, fine, I'll play The Witcher fucking yeah. Three. And by the end of it, I went, I actually. There were a lot. There's a lot about that game I really enjoyed. Most of what I enjoyed about it was counter to what everyone else likes about it. Was I quite liked the gameplay, I, the combat, and I found the story in the world to be like, I didn't, I didn't really care. Lewis, and I think I, that's just a me in a fantasy world thing. Can I tell you a secret that will only stay between us? Go on then. I quite like the combat in Witcher Three. I like the combat in Witcher. I, th- I, I think quite it's. Like the, I think it's a good balance. I think it's it's simple yet has some complexities that you can explore if you want to. I do think some of the symbols are completely useless. Oh, no, no, no. no. Here's the thing. If you read the bestiary, 
some of the symbols have very good use. And oh. and and I uh, and here's the thing: when I played it through the first time, I was basically just uh, okay. Um, I I just got off the back of playing Dark Souls. That was the game I'd been mainly playing at the time, and I yeah. started playing Witcher Three, and I felt like a superhero um, who was living amongst men because <laughs> uh, I was I was fully tuned into a game that objectively doesn't want to be beaten, um, and Witcher Three is is easier than that. Um, so I was mainly using dodging and light attacks, but then. When I played it again on the hardest difficulty, I started reading the bestiary, and actually, every one of the signs has a purpose. I fully believe that. I just think maybe that I don't want to sit down and read a bestiary to be good at a game. You know, like I'd rather just they've simplified it by just and and again, you can take my word on this as someone who only apparently learnt to read within the last few years. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That they have a very quick sort of drop down of symbols. Fair enough. I mean, I think I think the point I want to make about The Witcher Three was I was really I really went I really laid into it when it came on, partly because I knew what I was up against, as it were. I knew that The Witcher Three had this reputation and was seen as one of the best games ever made, mm-hmm. and I came out of The Witcher Three going, "That game is a really good eight out of ten game." Yeah, like there's a lot about, and I I imagine if you like fantasy fiction it easily becomes a nine or a ten out of ten depending on how invested you get into that story but as someone who's like has a strong dis i would happily say a strong dislike of things like lord of the rings yeah for the witcher 3 to get me to the stage i'm saying it's an eight out of ten game is an amazing achievement on its part yeah i mean it's Um, i i am i am a fan and to hear that because i listen to that podcast and i understand why you're saying these things because um, let's sum up that podcast and uh, future podcast between the two of you. There are two contrarians sat in that <laughs> room. Um, you, you were. It, it's not interesting to go into a podcast talking about a game that everyone loves and say, "Yes, I also love it." So you went in with criticism from the perspective of someone who didn't want to like it, thus creating a more interesting thing to listen to. Yes, yeah, but yeah. I still, I, I do, I do stand by. That I think it is overrated. I don't think that means it's uh, yeah. bad. I just think the Witcher, the Witcher Three, is exactly the kind of game that a decade from now it will be like trying to play something like The Elder Scrolls Three, where it's like it's revolutionary for its time. It's impressive. It's got great bits of fiction. It's a pain in the ass to play. Uh, yeah, and I feel like that's where The Witcher Three is going to end up. Is that game design will have evolved? Even when I was playing The Witcher Three, there are parts of it I'm like, this feels quite dated. Like you compare the way that The Witcher Three navigates an open world compared to something like Ghost of Tsushima. Interesting. Maybe, maybe it's um, and it, uh, again, this is something else that we'll we'll talk briefly about. Um, maybe this is because I'm quite a few years behind on games, just because I don't get them when they're full price. So. To me, I didn't see anything that could be, I don't know, counted as dated. This is the thing. The Witcher 3 sort of comes out towards the start of the PlayStation 4. It's the PlayStation 4's life cycle. It's arguably one of the first properly big, good games for the PS4. Yeah. And then you compare it to something like Ghost of Tsushima, which is at the end of the PlayStation's life cycle, or even God of War. Um, Okay, yeah, yeah. And you sort of look at games like that, and you've gone from, like characters sort of sitting on top of assets that are sort of flat rather muddy looking textures to something like god of war where it's like you essentially have an open world where every single scene looks like uncharted levels of quality and graphic detail 
and like levels of animation and things and there's a part of me that just feels like the witcher 3 is a little bit like everything's working just and i feel quite borne out by that in terms of like <laughs> yeah the it's, the, it's the sheer size of it i think is the main issue with that i think they they did I don't know, it's not there are bigger games there are bigger games but it, it's it does a very good job of revealing its size to you because you play it and it te- it drops you in white orchard which is a quite small area and then it drops you in velen which is mm-hmm. that com- that and novigrad as one combined map and you're like okay this is pretty big this is really big and then also you go to the Skellig Islands, which is roughly, you know, if you count the sea, about the same size. If you, if you count the sea. I mean, that therein lies bigness for no purpose, right? The sea. All right, I would, I would, I would make the point oh, yeah, about... I quite like Wind Waker. <laughs> I mean, no, that's the big problem with Wind Waker, right? It's I mean, I, I, I said that just to be hilarious. I've, I've, <laughs> I, I've played the first five minutes of Wind Waker. <laughs> The big, the bigness of The Witcher Three, the bigness of The Witcher Three works if you like what The Witcher Three is. This sounds so obvious. The bigness of The Witcher Three, <laughs> works if you like what The Witcher Three is trying to do. The problem with the bigness of The Witcher Three is if, like me, you're into the mechanics and not the story. The Witcher Three keeps getting in its own way. <laughs> the Witcher yeah. Three is so, and it's it's to its credit that they're determined that all of these side quests are going to be like fully fleshed out side quests with like things to do and consider. But what yeah. I really wanted was just more of those quests where you hunt the interesting monsters and you have to think about interesting ways to hunt them. There's a good... Most of the game's main quest is walking to locations and engaging in cutscenes. And the combat is 40% of the game. 60% of this game is cutscene and dialogue trees. And that's yeah. just that's the part of the game I didn't care about. And I'll be honest, as someone who is a big enough fan of The Witcher 3 that when I do eventually get my copy on the Switch, I will probably play it as thoroughly as I played the PlayStation 4 version. So that is, I mean, that's a a huge time commitment, whichever way you look at it. Um, (laughs) I did very much enjoy your assessment that most of The Witcher 3 is walked the orange thing and click on the orange thing. I I, I, I did enjoy that. And um, and, and I I found it somewhat difficult to disagree with that. (laughs) But like I say, if you like that world, you're into it. Right, let's move on. So number four, what's your number four? Number four. Um... So uh, you, you're not open to playing Oblivion now that you realise that you can like a fantasy game. I've look, I've definitely played Skyrim to some extent, and I think I've even played Oblivion to some extent. And there is nothing about those games that would convince me I'd like them more than The Witcher Three. If anything, I think that I'd like them distinctly less than The Witcher Three. Well, we'll find out in the next series of. <laughs> I'll just wade. Eventually, you'll run out of games. Um, so. So my number four, and I'll be honest, I think you could probably guess my number four. I don't know what's left. I can think. I can only think of two games that are left. Three. What the two? What the two games that you remember? Oh no, okay, no, I can think of three games that are left. Just, just say what it is. We haven't got. Time. I'll be honest. It might be the one that you haven't thought of. Uh, number four is Observation. That's the one I wasn't thinking of. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I. The issue is. Um, I have no criticism that that kind of doesn't overlap with what is mentioned on the podcast previously that you did with Mungo. I think it, it kind of nails it. I mean, the game as a description sounds better than it is ultimately. And um, I guess but I can... it's cool, right? Like the immersive it, level of it is really impressive. It, oh, that's why it's number four. 
That's the yeah. thing. I'll, I'll go into it and say that um, for the f- for the first few, there were a few things that I tried to do that I failed to do. And when I found the solution, by the way, I should say, um, Neverhood aside, I did not use a guide for any of the other games. I did not use a walkthrough at any point. I finished Observation sure, sure. without a walkthrough. I didn't I didn't look anything up for any of the games, including... Do you, the, do you wish you had a walkthrough for Observation? Because I'll admit I used a guide to finish Observation. I heard that you did, and I, and I felt... I don't know how I felt about myself after realizing that I'd finished without one when I realized that that may have been a possibility. But after playing The Neverhood, I realized that once you use a guide, you kind of find yourself relying on it. But um, there were a few instances where I figured out what the solution was and felt like an idiot for not trying that in the first place. But I I just want to read... So we've mentioned that my notes are written as like a sort of stream of consciousness. Um, So I'm just going to read to you exactly what I've written down for observation, and I think this will sum it up. I do agree that, um, you know, setting and environment, I do think the story, whilst lacking an ending, uh, and in in some ways, any kind of second half, um, <laughs> I, do, I was gripped at the times when I was meant to be gripped. I, it was tense. It was scary at times. And it was yeah. interesting. I was compelled to finish it, even though I still don't believe I have finished it. Um <laughs> Okay, so this that's, is that, that's not in like a wow. Where does the game give you know? I, have I really finished it? It's more the way of like it just sort of finished. It's sort of it's yeah. Credits start rolling and you go, oh, okay, that was it, I suppose. Yeah, it was really bizarre, but uh, this kind of sums up my entire thing. And um, I'll just I'll just read it. After getting to the central hub, I was told to go to the network hub. No idea what that is. The objective screen told me it was in UNO three. Why the fuck didn't she just say those words? Clearly, survival isn't a priority for her. I get there, and I have no schematics for any of the things on. Let's scan the environment. Keep scanning. Huh, I can't seem to find anything. I mean, I found half a piece of paper with some schematic drawn on it, but apparently that doesn't count. I'll keep looking. Shitting hell, these cameras move slowly. I mean, the perfect (laughs) speed to get on my wick. I've been looking for what is probably 15 minutes now. It feels like a whole day. I feel like most of my life has been devoted to scanning this environment and the lives of my ancestors back to the first fish that crawled out onto land. When will this end? Not only is the podcast recording in a week or so, but my life on the whole is finite. I don't want to use a walkthrough, but the claw marks on the back of my controller suggest maybe it's time. I'll get a cup of tea and look at a dog's face to calm down. And you put this higher than Alan Wake. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I eventually solved it. And whilst I guess the solution could also be argued to be like, you should have thought this through. I was genuinely like, I. this is why I was debating between this and Alan Wake. Because Alan Wake didn't particularly make me feel tense, apart from the few instances I walked near objects, which I yeah. did respect. And I didn't dislike Alan Wake. Again, I need to make it clear that um, he, I didn't even really dislike The Neverhood. Because it was balanced out by the fact that it was so unique. So I didn't, I, mm. I don't walk away saying I hate any of these games. And it is number four. Mm. But I can't deny that that was, I, I did have to leave the game alone for a bit. And that was one of the big things holding it back. But I, it, it, the and environment. I think, I think we can both happily say the difference there in the Neverhood was playing a prank on you. Observation is just not quite getting it right. Because yeah. the observation when it's working works really well. Yeah, and whenever you turn around the corner and you see that giant hexagon that's there for a reason that you wish one day will be explained. Um, Hopefully one day. Yeah, it, it genuinely is quite tense. It's it, it was like I, I I felt I felt a tension 
that Alan Wake did not provide that I felt that it perhaps should, and that's why it's higher. That's why it's yeah, I think four. Observation is actually the better horror game, as it were. It's it does actually fulfil horror quite successfully. I think. Yeah. In terms of it being very tense and unnerving. Well, yeah. This is this is a a wonderful counterpart then because nine number four is the Red Strings Club. Okay. Which was the game that was originally brought on that that caused the recommendation of Observation. Um, I in retrospect regret not saying this was one of the best video games I'd never played because even though it is basically just a visual novel that has like one or two unfailable mini games Mm. um, I didn't realise quite how many games I was going to play this year were going to be visual novels that were actually (laughs) a few unfailable (laughs) mini games Yeah, Um, I think this game's amazing I think it's philosophically fascinating I really love the art style I really love the the concept of the game and the sort of the way it plays out and i love that it's uh, you know we talk about the games that are unique blimey there's nothing like the red strings club that i've ever played before and i i thought it was a a really good game a top game i i would happily recommend the red the red strings club to someone who i think has that interest in sort of existential philosophy and the philosophy of happiness and all of these things it's a it's a brilliant video game so that's my number four i i uh have not played it and um I, sorry about that. I, again, thought I had muted that. Um, uh, This is a good sign to see how much editing goes into this podcast. Well, this is the thing. We're now at the stage of the list where my bits are going to be really short because I'm basically going, it's a very good video game. Yeah. I mean, I... I, (laughs) I'll I'll hopefully get around to it at some point because it, it, it it does sound very good. It sounds very interesting. Uh, And I have nothing else interesting to say on it, so I'll just uh, say there's a card reader in front of me. Okay. Number three. Yeah. Uh, My number three uh, is Gone Home. Uh, Now, that's interesting. I didn't know where Gone Home was going to rank in this list, because it's not exactly a divisive game, but it's a a particular flavour, and if you don't like the flavour, you're sort of stuck with it. (laughs) I I liked the flavour. And I particularly liked. Um, I, I I'll be honest. It I, I when I got your PC delivered, I sat down to play Gone Home because I knew how short it was, and I basically said to my partner uh, and uh, my cousin who was staying with us at the time, uh, I basically said I'm going to play this because it's two hours long, uh, and so that's what I'm going to mm-hmm. do for the rest of the evening. And uh, obviously the tension is kind of there because you walk into a house and you feel like, oh, something something bad's going to happen. It's, oh, it's, yeah. it's got it's got the atmosphere. It's got an incredibly it's it's got an incredibly good atmosphere to it. And um, at one point, my cousin went up to bed saying, oh, "I bet it's ghosts," and then just left. And uh, <laughs> um, it, it it's it it made me. It, it it made me well up at the end. Um, it yep. made me incredibly happy. I kind of the uh, it, it ended roughly a little bit when I realised that it was wrapping up. It was a couple of minutes after I thought it was starting to drag. So this is the thing. I, I gone home is two hours long, but that's exactly as long as it probably should be, right? Yeah, it's it it's bizarre because you the debate of how long a video game should be is something. It's like the age old question. But it was a really bizarre thing to be playing a game that I really liked and to be thinking at like the hour forty five mark to be thinking, oh, come on. TikTok, and and you know I know how many hours I've sunk into, uh, you know we've talked Oblivion, Witcher Three, Breath of the Wild. I know how many hours I've sunk into those, and I could happily sink another ten into them right now, 
so it's bizarre to talk about a game that's this short and and think about it as going on the verge of being too long but it is pretty perfect because i thought that at the point when you discover like the kitchen and the greenhouse and then you realize that you're wrapping up Mm. and yeah 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 it's it's just an absolutely it's completely spot on it's um the environmental storytelling i didn't realize some of the um when I listened to the podcast again, I uh, don't want to tread over old ground, but the podcast where you talked about Gone Home, some There's of the story beats. Revelation. Yeah, I, I was unaware of those when I played it. I avoided, I, although I listened to the podcast the first time around, I didn't remember anything about it when I sat down and played it. Uh, and I avoided listening to it until I'd finished. And I was, I was unaware of any of these things, but I'm sure if I went back and played it, I'd see things here and there. Um, it made me laugh at times. Um, I don't know if you read um, I mean obviously there's so much flavour text in there and I at some point stopped being quite so thorough reading it because you you just because of who I am uh, which <laughs> well, I, is... think, I think as well part of part of how Gone Home works is there is so much detail but you don't need all of it to yeah. get the story and that's like again that's one of those things where i think one of the things a lot of people level against gone home is you go well this could be a short film and i don't think it could because i feel like moving through that environment and also the fact that it's a video game so at any minute it could suddenly hand you a gun and become a different video game yeah this was one of the games where uh jordan was with me watched me play the entire thing and at the end she did say would that not have been better as a film because or or something along those lines, something about maybe mm. it wasn't co- what what defined it as a video game, and I said, um, and hopefully you agree with this on on this. The reason why I think of it as a video game is because I didn't find everything in the order that necessarily. Yeah. Was it was when you read yeah. a book, you don't at some point go fuck. I'm I just skipped three pages without realizing. Yeah. Um, and you More don't. Importantly, yeah. There's- there's a certain linearity to the game in terms of the rooms you can access at certain times because there's ultimately one room at the end of the game that if you access ends the game yeah and there are speed runs in fact in fact i think there is literally an achievement to finish this game in under like two minutes or something yes yeah and that you could you could completely optimize it but the thing that and it's sort of actually one of the things that makes bioshock work which is obviously brilliant because the people who made this game also made a bioshock downloadable content yeah um is that it is literally the environment that is telling you the story. Yes. It is not, this is the story of this woman and her life and what she did, and then she did this, and then she was here, and then we did this. It's literally, you you open drawers, you rummage through things, you learn loads of information that is not necessary to understanding the narrative of the game, yeah. but it, fully it, builds this world out. It, that's its, it's per, The purposes of its existence is to... Uh, it is the same way that there's there's stacks of papers on the desk that I'm sat on right now. There's there's things in this room that if you wandered through, you could read them, and they're not necessarily part of our lives, but they're just part of the home. They're things mm-hmm. that essentially build up a realistic world, and it is an incredibly realistic world. And the way that it it, it does it, it does lead you down the garden path and keeps you on the on the edge of your seat a little bit is incredibly admirable, and it it does it, it it doesn't it's difficult to say it packs a punch because i don't think packing a punch kind of has an implication that it well, may be the, the trick of the game is ultimately you spend and it sort of kind of ruins it if you're listening you haven't played it but still go mm-hmm. playing because it is great you should yeah yeah it it's the game is ultimately a trick yeah it's it's leading you down the garden path of this is a horror game and all it does to make it a horror game is make the house empty 
mm. and have it so that it's during a storm. And there's also like little stories written by kids about how the the house is creepy at night, and which it yeah. is. It that's it's those things, and it really does. It's surprising how much. Obviously, like listening to this, if you haven't played it, will ruin that effect because you'll know that there's nothing going on. But if you go into it completely cold, um, you do. Say, I mean, even though even though I did at the time think that it was a bit ridiculous that my cousin said, I bet it's ghosts. That's not as out of nowhere as I it mean, might seem. One of the penultimate things really, really makes you think something supernatural and horrible is going to happen. Yeah. And then it doesn't. Yeah. And instead, it's just, it, it hits you with the thing that's actually going to like get you in the emotions more, which is something really heartfelt and beautiful and like still, still sad. There's a tinge of sadness to the whole thing because of what's going on. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I think, well, it's called Gone Home, and it's sort of something I brought up when I did it the last time, is a huge amount of the game is a sense of nostalgia for the character you're playing. They're coming home, mm. but at the same time, it seems strange and alien to them because the people they know aren't there. Yeah. And it's changed since they were gone. Yeah. So there's this, there's this very strong sense of unease that's brought about by that, and they lean into it, and they deliberately use it, and you couldn't do that in a film or a book. Not in the same way. There's no. no way that you could write a book where they're like thunder cracked and the rain pelted against the window. No. And then everything was like, it would draw too much attention to itself. I don't think you could even do that with a film, to be honest. Because it's all about you misleading mm. yourself. Yeah. And, it, it, and a film and a book have to take you down a particular path to make it work. And, you know, you can't really. I was, uh, in some of the earlier doors, I was scared to turn a light on for what I would see. And that's not yeah. something like, you, you know, you find yourself turning the light on in pretty much every room because it, the darkness is imposing. And that's something that you choose to do. You opt to do that. And uh, that was one... means that you can track where you've been. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. the good, the, the sort of good thing about it is, even though the house is kind of unintuitive and there are times when you use a map the times when you use the maps are because there are deliberately uh, off the beaten tracks, essentially secret passageways. But yeah. I didn't too much find it to be that much of a problem navigation because it is it, it is linear enough that I mean at the beginning you basically choose to want to explore downstairs or upstairs first, and you could do either. But when you explore downstairs, there's only one door to go through. Or one corridor to go through, sorry, with several doors. And as long as you're relatively systematic, it is actually quite a linear game. Mm. Um, but that tension is is there entirely just from environmental world building. And the the way that the way that you interact with it is it's you interact in the way that you do because the game has in some way tricked you. And it's it's such an impressive thing to have done. And it really made the ending I mean the ending, to be honest, one of the biggest emotions you feel is a sense of relief. Yeah, because because you now know it's not going to be something horrible. Yeah, but um, yeah, so it's, that's a, that's a great game. We it's an, it's on absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, my number three is also a great game, which is Frostpunk. Okay. Um, yeah. Which I spent, which is which is remarkable because if you go towards the bottom of my list, that's where Tropico and Stronghold are. Yeah, I was I on paper it doesn't look right that this is as high up as it is. It's but we but high. we get it. He's a very famous comedian. You know, you got to. <laughs> it's this high. Because it should be lower down this list based on my personality traits and how I like to play video games. But instead, yeah. this game completely blew me away with how good it was. It was like, it's it does everything I like. It ties mechanics to gameplay. 
the actual gameplay is quite good. Once I figured out, this was one of the few games where I actually figured out why I was losing. Yeah. <laughs> Just to counteract that and play it better. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's a great game. I, I am concerned they're doing a sequel for it, and I don't know if I'll love a sequel. Because to me, this was a real one-off. This was a real one, one and done and well done and top marks for this brilliant, original, clever idea. Um, so I really love Frostpunk. And I don't want to say anything negative about it because I think it's a fantastic video game. And he, and he was on Mock the Week, wasn't he? That's he it. Was. He, he was. He was on Mock the Week. Yeah. That's, um, that's why it is. That's why it is. Oh, I really like the game that you like. Look, look Chris, you get on Mock the Week. I'll give I'll, I'll give Oblivion best video game no play. <laughs> but until then, you're not getting anything. <laughs> if I get on Mock the Week, even if they cut it out, at some point I am going, bet you regret putting the Simpsons game number I six. will admit, it's a huge relief that I liked Frostpunk. Because could you imagine if I'd spent an hour just chewing Glenmore out and telling you? You wouldn't have done, though. You wouldn't have. You'd have, you'd have done what you Actually, did here, Jack which is... Jack Bernhardt out. Well, no, you'd have, you, you would have... You would have pulled your punches and then you'd have come on here and been honest. Probably. Probably. Um, and that is... And by I'm the way... honest, though, I do really love Frostpunk. I, I'm getting on my high horse as if I wouldn't do exactly the same thing. But, um... <laughs> yeah, Look, I, 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 I do legitimately mean Frostpunk is really good and it's so high because it defies its genre. I think any game that defies its genre so much that I like it has to be... It's the same thing I'd say about Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Yeah. I don't like turn-based video games, but Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door is so funny yeah, and so interesting and cool that it is one of my favourite video games. Yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, I, I would... So Frostpunk, do you reckon I... Would you recommend me play it? If you if you, if you think you would enjoy it. If you, well, if that's... It sounds... Hold on. <laughs> that's, that's true of anything... <laughs> No, not necessarily, because there's games, there's games that I thought I would enjoy, and then I played them and I went, I don't actually enjoy these. Okay, all right. So Jet Set Radio, for example, I thought I was going to love Jet Set Radio, and then it just sadly wasn't as good as I'd hoped. All right, okay. Well, I made fun what's of you your, for a thing that could easily be two? defended. Okay, so I, it, uh, anyone who remembers the six games that I have on my list, what we are left with is we are left with the game that I was given to play... And Which, by the way, I am delighted that that game has survived this long because it means I was right to think you would like it. Yeah, I, I mean, could you imagine if you'd? I mean, if if if, if you'd that come game to me with was the, number six, I would be heartbroken. Yeah, I mean, it, imagine if imagine if we lived in the world where I where I went Terraway, nah, but Neverhood. <laughs> but um, so we're left with the game that you recommended for me, and a game that is largely considered to be the best video game of all Again, time. I'm, I'm delighted that game isn't at the bottom because when i gave that to sam he was pretty convinced it was the worst video game he'd ever played yeah and at, at so some I, point I feel when... like this at the moment the rankings i feel quite vindicated on i'm surprised i thought alan wake was going to do better but so did i but then i shame, but, but then it? i played it and it didn't so you know so what we got what we got we're we looking at what's number 2 number 2 and <sighs> I'm annoyed that it's at number two, and we'll get to why I'm annoyed later on. Number two is Tearaway. Ah, okay. So this, I, I thought you were about to, to, to knock me sideways there and make me go, what, what the hell's going on? No, but no, but this is, this is, this is expected, right? That's the game I recommended to you, and I recommended it to you in good faith as what I thought would be the best video game you've never played. Yeah. And the only other game remaining is literally the best video game ever made, uh, yeah. which I would have assumed you had played. Yeah, yeah, and 
obviously we'll spend some time talking about that. No spoilers on what is number one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so number two is Tearaway. Tearaway, I mean... Uh, We've uh, literally talked about it together on this we podcast. We have, yeah. And I, I, still good. I briefly listened to the podcast where we talked about it. And whilst I do come at it from an angle where I'm like, right, I'm going to focus on the negative because I choose to win the argument. Um, I don't win the argument partly because I'm, I'm not great at arguing as it turns out um i'm sort of a bit and because tearaway is legitimately a and, wonderful, and beautiful charming game like, and the approach not... i've decided to take is me talk about a game that i did really like as if i didn't like it so i mean i do stand by the criticism that i had but sure. i acknowledge that Drop the criticism yeah that was it that yeah. was about it well, well, okay. I mean, you're diminishing it, but it took me a long time to think of that criticism. <laughs> that one and um, uh, occasional, like, I mean, collectibles that don't really add anything. Um, yeah, yeah. Which was your fault. Well, no, but I didn't put them there, did I? No, but for some reason you were obsessed with collecting everything in a video game. But it's in the video game. It's part of the <laughs> video game experience. If they didn't want me to get it, don't put it in the game. But it, I, so, Did you read every um, bit of text in the Neverhood? No, because and and here's Did the heartbreak. Here's the heartbreaking thing. Pick up every page in Alan Wake. No, no, but if if Neverhood was re-released on PlayStation and there was a trophy for reading all of the text, it, I I might. I'm delighted have done. I gave you. I'm delighted I gave you these games on Steam OS. Yeah. If you had achievements, we wouldn't be doing this podcast until halfway through 2022. No, what would happen is I would go away and I would start systematically going through them one by one, and you and I would talk in private and you would witness my unraveling. But uh, yeah, Tearaway, there's nothing really to add about it. I mean, it's it it again. It was a game that at the end made me like get a bit a, a bit not necessarily teary, but definitely got me in the. It it definitely got me. It was a very heartwarming yeah. game. Uh, so for kind of similar reasons for Gone Home, in that you get to the end and you just feel good. It's just it's a really a very nice feeling. It's a sincere game. It's so sincere. Yeah. There's nothing cynical about it. It's no, so playful it's... and nice, and it wants. It, it's glad you've come around. Yeah. It's it's such a. It, it's a game that you feel good after you have played it. I would. Anyone who's got a PlayStation Vita, first of all, um, we've already met before um, <laughs> and are on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're in the Slack chat. We know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, we, we we see you, as in we physically have seen you. Um, I mean, also though, you can get the PS4 version, and it, I would argue the Vita version is slightly better, but the PS4 version PS4 version is still really good. I I will say that I think if you want a real shorthand for um how good this is, I do now own the PS4 version, and whilst I haven't played it, I have the full intention to play it. Um, yeah, I would I would strongly suggest you do that. It's a lovely time. It is mostly the same game, but there's some yeah. new bits that are really fun. I'll probably give it a bit of time just so that it's perhaps not so fresh in my head. But I will say, sure. uh, a year that's been defined by me picking up my PS Vita again, I've played a lot of games on my PS Vita. I've completed a lot of games on my PS Vita. I have enjoyed them, but I have to agree that this is the best one of the, yeah. all the ones I've played this year and any year before. Um, and saying that something is the best game on the PS Vita is not a compliment um, <laughs> necessarily, but it, it is... There's a lot of really good ports on the Vita of also very good games. Yeah, I mean, I am also including all the PS1 games. I do think I, I do think it is maybe oh. better than the PS1 ports that are on... The, I don't know. No, I've said... That's, that's a big... St- I mean, look, no, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I think probably the only game I would happily say... Of of the PS One games available on the Vita are probably Metal Gear Solid and Crash Team Racing. I see. What's happened is I've written a check that I don't think I can necessarily back up. I think 
I think that claim will be bounced. Yeah, I... Um, no, I'll it's take, interesting. It's, take that It's back. a discussion for a different time. We'll do yeah. another podcast about which is the best PlayStation game, and that can be a furious argument for days. Um, <laughs> it's quite nice that you've picked Tearaway for number two, because my number two is sort of quite similar in terms of its style. I've picked Wandersong. Oh, okay, nice. They're just two, two, two nice... Two papery games. Since just, as far as I'm aware, just sincere games. Sincere games, papery, heartfelt, lovely. Wonder Song has, I said it in the podcast time, it has that um, Paper Mario subversive quality in that it presents itself as a very cutesy, um, fun, silly game, but it has it has a little bit of a darker edge. Yeah. But it doesn't let its... It, its darker edge is purely to make the characters even more sincere and lovable. Yeah. Even more likeable. There's an amazing chapter where you have to go back and live with your mum because you think the quest's over because it's not your quest anymore. <laughs> and you realise that that's not true and it is your quest. And it's just, it's such a wonderful game. And it's the def like, when I started this podcast, I knew I was going to get things like The Sims and The Witcher 3 and like games that are sort of broadly popular that I hadn't played and finished. But yeah. what I wanted was something like Wandersong. Yeah. Where it was a game that I had like, no idea even existed. And then I played it and I went, this is now one of my favourite games. I adore this game. Yeah. I, I mean, all that's happened is I've I've experienced that as well. I mean, I I think that even though I'm I have been on this podcast and you have directly given me a video game, I think you should, if you're listening, I think you should kind of take some of these recommendations to heart because mm. there there are some games out there that you should play. Yeah, I would say my top three. My top three, I would recommend actually. With actually, I would say you should play Frostpunk. I would, I would recommend those to basically anyone. Uh, the only reason I would not necessarily recommend the Red Strings Club to everyone is because, boy, is it quite heavy and existential. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're in the wrong frame of mind for the Red Strings Club, it could really mess you up. But it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a solid pick for number two. And so look, his. It... Yeah. What what we've both done. Um, let's take a let's take a second to acknowledge that little moment, little ad break before the uh, <laughs> before the final announcement. How are you getting on? I feel like I have I, my list is three lists, which is bad games, games I don't care about, and good games. Yeah, and what what we've both done is um, the top of my list is mm. um, a game that is largely considered to be one of the best games. And the top of your list is a game that is l largely considered to be a, one of the best indie games. Yeah, yeah, they're not surprising picks. No, we're 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 very much we're very predictable, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with yours because I right, I feel like the fact that I'm like when I recorded what your number one pick is going to be, mm -hmm. I felt like I was going insane. I I will say. I, we have to get some things off the bat. So obviously, my number one pick is Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, and because uh, because somehow Chris in this yeah. podcast deliberately designed to bring up hidden gems, yeah. lost games, personal favorites, yeah. cult classics, we somehow ended up with the Legend of Fucking Zelda: <laughs> Ocarina of Time being critiqued like it's an unknown classic fucking game, even though I don't think any game has had anything written about it more than the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Because it is fucking inescapable in the world of modern this video is, games. This is it your. Has, it is. It has, it's like the fucking Adam. <laughs> it's like Adam at the start of fucking humanity's tree 
of fucking influence in video games. There's no video game. I played The Witcher 3, which is so fucking obviously inspired by so many of the things established in fucking Ocarina of Time. And I gave it to Sam, and I went, oh, good, he's going to play this version of a game, like the proto version of this game that he likes. And then he's like, oh, is it different with that? Arrows don't necessarily do what I want in the catch. But I have to press A to jump, and it's, oh, I got lost inside of a dungeon. It made me, I'm like, fucking hell. And if you're listening, Sam, I look, I sincerely, I don't worry, we are still friends. I just, I couldn't. I, I just felt I just felt like I'd gone to a parallel universe. I didn't understand. I, I will say, right off the bat, first of all, um the podcast you recorded with Sam talking about the Ocarina of Time is one of the best podcasts I, I've ever listened to. I don't to. know if it is. I, I, no. there's a there's a stage in that podcast where I get so angry I can't listen to myself. <laughs> but maybe it's just because I quite enjoy that, and I quite enjoyed that <laughs> Sam managed to do the thing that I'd been trying to do since I was even... Yeah, but he didn't mean to fucking do it. No, that's I know, but that's thing. the amazing thing. And the other thing I will say is that I actually... Some of Sam's critiques I don't agree with, but mm. I see why he has them. Right. I, 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 one of his... One of his big critiques... Now, I, I have to make it clear... I ran out of time and did not finish this game. I got to the point where I'm currently in Gerudo Town or Gerudo Village, whatever it's called, the, uh, trying to sneak around, trying to get into. I don't oh, know what the, temple I'm trying to get yeah, into. Yeah, the desert, yeah. Yeah. I, adult so you're link. Quite, you're quite late, I think. I think you're only a couple of temples off the end there. Well, I, I beat the forest temple, the water temple, and the fire temple. And um, obviously all the y- I think young... there's five temples in the... Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, you've got you got to do Gerudo, and there's a dark temple as well. And yeah, then there's the final temple. I, I have to acknowledge that I've ne- I'd never played this game. I'd uh, mm. but I'd always I'd always had I'd always deigned to. This was actually of all the games you suggested, I owned this one. I owned the uh, collector's edition on GameCube. Um, now that's also the version I originally played. Yeah. So Sam was playing the 3DS remake. Yeah. Which is arguably better. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess it depends on how... Well, what I will say is one of Sam's critiques... And by the way, if you haven't listened to that podcast, uh, you, you're you in for a treat. It's so, I mean, the level Prepare of... Prepare to go to the fucking Twilight Zone yeah. and listen to that podcast. I mean, I mean it's, it's, a, it's amazing that we're here sat talking about, hey, what's the best video game you've never played, Chris? Well, it's the best video game. Um... <laughs> I, I'm I'm genuinely I, I'm envious of Sam's position because I'm annoyed that I'm here sat on a podcast talking about obscure video games and I have played some objectively obscure video games and I'm here talking about yes but the best one I'm 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 I was annoyed when I liked it but I really did I'd never so played I, I'd never played any further than I'd beaten the tree a few months yeah, before playing it I'd be and that was it and I carried on from that save and I started I I wandered around the field and when I met Zelda I was completely struck by how well constructed the story was because the conversation between the two of them was a conversation between two children planning how they were going to save the world which is exactly what children do yeah. It was like a fantasy world being constructed by them and all of a sudden I was completely in it and I and I have not finished it and I will finish it. I will say that one of Sam's critiques was the uh, fire temple was his um was the bane of his existence. 
I see why he says that. Now, I didn't yeah. find it hard. I didn't find it complicated. But geographically, it's very... It, it, you think it's not going to be linear, but it is linear. It's, it's a relatively yeah. linear temple. So if you approach it thinking it's not linear, trying to keep track of where everything is is a nightmare. After a while, I settled in thinking, oh, it seems to be quite linear. I'll take every challenge as it comes, and then I beat it. But if all the while Sam was thinking, and I don't want to put, you know, I don't, obviously I can't predict what his opinion was, what his, no, what his approach no was. No can predict no. his opinion. <laughs> I gave him the best video game of all time. But if, if he was approaching it thinking that it was going to be laid out similar to the Wars Temple in that it was... In that it was uh, no, that doesn't make sense because the fire temples before the water temple. I did the water temple first. Oh, because well, maybe it's, it's not. Then I don't know. Maybe you can play them out a bit out of order. Uh, you can. I did the water temple first because it's objectively easier to get into the water temple than it is the fire temple. The fire temple it took me ages to figure out. I think it took me longer to figure out how to get in than it did to beat the fire temple. But if <laughs> if you don't, if you go into it thinking that it's not going to be linear and that it's slightly more open and there's a little bit more sort of even the forest temple, there's a lot of backtracking. If you think there's going to be a lot of backtracking, the fire temple is a nightmare because it's it's a bit like thinking there's going to be backtracking in, in, in well i mean i was going to say crash bandicoot but there is and that's uh, you know it's it's just that sort of like preparing to have to memorize all the locations and that is that is harder than the water temple and the forest temple because they have a limited number of rooms that you can quite easily track i will yeah. say um one of the things i again i have to re-emphasize i did not use a guide for ocarina of time and um I can confirm that it is possible to get into the belly of Jabu Jabu without a guide, because well, well, I don't doubt that you can get into the belly of Jabu Jabu without a guide. What I mean is, it's just bizarre. It is, what but they every you to do in the overworld sometimes. Yeah, like, that... I'm currently replaying it on the Switch, and I'm just flat out stuck. I don't really know where I'm going. I've recently done the, uh, I've re I just I'd recently just seen Princess Zelda mm. and got on the ocarina gotten the song from her and then yeah. i've gone to the town and i don't actually know how to progress the game right now i know i need to go up death valley but i can't remember how you need to bring the guy a mask i think it's so yeah that's bizarre but the thing is yeah the reason why i knew what to do is because every npc literally told me step by step they were they were kind of dropping non too subtle hints because you have to bring the king of the zora a message in a bottle and he gives you the bottle back going here the bottle might be useful and mm. and you're like, okay, so the bottle's going to be useful. And then you wave it around and realize that if you swish it through water, it swishes slowly. And then someone says, Jabu Jabu likes eating fish. Uh, over there is the pond where Princess Ruto fishes. And uh, as soon as like you speak to those NPCs, you kind of get a picture on what's going on. Um, mm. And that's kind of it. That's why, that's why I do agree that it is all kind of baked in. Um, I don't... I... I wish I wasn't saying this. Because I, I, you, you kind of wish you could come at it. And go, actually, no, Sam's right. Ocarina of Time's rubbish. It I, I, work. I, because at the very least, that's the I mean, rubbish. Did you hate the combat? Not really. Does it make sense that the game has a health bar? I'm really sorry, Sam. Because the thing is, we actually haven't met, and <laughs> and and I do, I I do completely, and I loved the podcast you did with Lewis. But when you said that it wasn't an action game, the first time when I was listening to it and I hadn't played the game, I didn't have an opinion. And then I started playing the game. It 
it is an action game. It's, it's objectively completely it, an action game, and it has it, combat in it because the combat is fun and distinctly part mm, of the game. Yeah, I I do. Again, this is something where I I agree with. Uh, I I do agree with something he said. He said that it 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 becomes a combat game when you fight those big skeletons in the forest temple. I think what I would translate as the combat becomes. I I didn't use the shield once until I got there and I'd forgotten that I needed to. But that's not necessarily because the combat was bad. That's because I'm not necessarily a shield user in video games. And those skeletons fucking punished me for that. Yeah, Um, they do. That's... Yeah, I... um, I mean, look, you've still got... You've got to finish it and it's... You know, you've still got a good length of decent game left. Like it's it's a great time. And now that I'm not bound by it, I'm I may end up using a, a guide because I'm slightly. You know, I I only played the Gerudo town for a few minutes, and it was getting to that point where because the bits in between temples, I'm not I'm not enamoured by. And whilst no, I, I agree, that's that's my largest criticism as well. It's the stuff between temples occasionally just leaves you a bit, and you're a bit like, where do I go? What do I do? I, but I I think it, it it completely enchanted me, and I um. I beat the forest temple. I, first of all, I when when it's all coming together and like and Ganondorf. Like one of the first f- moments when I realised that I was properly feeling it is when Zelda's being taken away by Impa, and you turn around and you see Ganondorf on a horse, and he's not really that bothered about you because you're just a child. But mm-hmm. then he looks at you, and I did genuinely feel like, oh God, this is terrifying. And I was like, "That's that's just a feeling I have. Like, it's it's amazing to feel that. I feel sick that I'm saying all this about a game that every isn't, single person in the world has said all this about. I, isn't isn't the music beautiful as well? Yeah. Isn't the music enchanting and great? And it's amazing. Your head and I I could genuinely listen to the Song of Storms on a loop like, forever. You mentioned Ganondorf looking at you, and my brain immediately just went. Da-na-na-na. <sighs> Yeah. and i got the fanfare but i just it's such a good uh it, look what we do yeah it's one of, the, of course it is yeah it's, the best games made. it's universally agrees with one of the best video games there's no made. point in me saying I'm anything else mad. i'm so, I, I i this it's it's awful that it's got this far like the podcast you did with sam was fascinating because you were the cultural consensus and sam was the guy stood up against the wave of like popular opinion I was so worried during that podcast that I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this game is actually really dated and doesn't work anymore. Maybe like, you know, maybe it is one of these things that's now baked into the culture so much that you can't, you know, you can't say Casablanca is a bad film. Yeah. I'll go out on a limb and say, I agree. It's a really good film. <laughs> it's not, it's not interesting in opinion. It's not like a culturally like, yeah. you know, my hot take, my hot take is all the old stuff that people tell you is good by and large actually is. Yeah. And it's survival bias as to why people still like like it. Yeah. It's 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 a it's a very good game and I I I do think in some ways it has dated in some ways it's dated. Um yeah. but I mean you've you've you admitted earlier you've played other Zelda games further down the history of this franchise. I I'll be honest, the first Zelda game and and here's here's another thing where it's a completely cold cuz I'm we're a very good pairing in this because I didn't have, I didn't own a Nintendo console until I owned a couple of handhelds, but I didn't own a Nintendo console until my family bought a Wii. Mm. Um, and I didn't play a Zelda game until Breath of the Wild. That was the first Zelda game oh, I played. Okay. The first time, the first oh, wow. time I but ever, a... I ever played a Zelda game was 2018 when oh, I bought a Switch and got wild. Breath of the Wild. 
that's a wild turnaround though because breath of the wild is a very very different kind of game to ocarina of time but like, I, well, well that's the thing I, I bought the collector's edition for the gamecube i got a few years afterwards or, or like a year or so afterwards on the back of i mean it was not it, it wasn't as cheap as i would have liked it to have been but i got it because i was like i i mean it's it's got ocarina of time and majora's mask in it like mm. people debate on which one's better um, I will warn you that the Majora's Mask port on GameCube is apparently not great, um, I, I, but it's probably the best you're going to get without buying an N64. To be honest, I I I have I have one of those now, and oh dear! In in the same way that I I liked a hundred percent games, I think I'm going to hundred percent games just in life. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I there's nothing really else to say. I mean, I. I played five minutes of it when I got the disc and I was like, ah, it's a bit dated. But then I actually started playing it and, you know, I can't make up the fact that I did, I I got, I felt a gut punch of emotion when it, when the text box comes up saying, sorry, you and sorry will always be friends. Yeah. It, it, it was really moving and I can't really make that up and I really wish I could because I, because, because it would be more interesting to say it was shit. The thing that's really interesting that you'll get to is when you get to the end of Ocarina of Time, it has a similar gut punch moment in terms of it has a it has a line that's sort of very tinged with sadness mm. and sort of like you know the, the 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 a sense of duty, the things that must be done, and then Majora's Mask is basically an expansion pack of how sad the ending in Ocarina of Time is. Yeah, I mean, I've I've no doubt that like the people who say that Majora's Mask is better is because it was just like. It, story-wise it's clear like well we've already made the best game let's have a bit of fun with something weird and i guess weirdness is definitely something that you could debate is more the interesting thing, the thing that makes majora's mask in some people's eyes the the better game i would argue is because its story is 10 times better than ocarina of times but ocarina of time is probably the more beloved game mm. because for all of Majora's Mask's unique and interesting stuff, it's also quite frustrating. <laughs> okay. Um, like, if you love Ocarina of Time and you finish it, definitely move on to Majora's Mask, because Majora's Mask... I mean, if you want melancholy in a video game, there is literally no video game I've ever played that has made... There's just just had, like, a single, like, text box pop up in a game that made me put the console down and go, Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> Which now brings me on to my number one. Yep. Which is Return of the Obra Dinn, which was like, I think the third or fourth episode of this podcast I did. Yeah. And it's just, I can't get over how good it was. And it took until, it took until Wondersong to make me give it to another game. And you kind of begrudgingly gave it to another game just because I think even you, because we're both, as much as we, we can't criticize anyone because we're both contrarians. (laughs) Would you like to share, would you like to share a Um, one sentence opinion on Kingdom Hearts? Um, it, it is one of the most frustratingly badly designed video games I've ever played. There we go. We are we we both we both quite enjoy. We get a kick out of standing up to. No, but I just but I mean that. <laughs> I no, I know, but you also quite enjoyed saying it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> I love I love reminding people that I hate Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Because, right, the only reason I love reminding people that I hate Kingdom Hearts is because I actually played and finished the whole fucking game. And so the only value I can get out of it now is to tell people that I hate it. I don't think... I I might play... um, I genuinely might play it for the same reason. (laughs) If you want it, I can lend you my copy. I don't care about it. (laughs) 
Um, Return of the Obra Dinn. Return of the Obra Dinn is a beautifully designed video game. It's the only the only major criticism I have against Return of the Obra Dinn is you can only really play it once um, because it's it's ultimately a puzzle with a one and done solve, and that you know it's a flaw, but at the same time it's part of its design. There's, it's not like they could have done it any other way. To like randomize the outcome would have been horrific because that would undermine how the story works. Yeah, and I, really ultimately yeah. the only reason that I ended up giving the title to like Wonder Song Frostpunk and uh, regrettably Persona Five <laughs> is because I had to initially I was going to do it so that it was like a running contest. The idea mm. is that. Um, like technically Sniper Elite 4 Outer Wilds are the best video games I've never played as well but the reason they were there was because Sniper Elite 4 was the first one and then I thought Outer Wilds was better yeah. and I was sort of going like okay it's going to be like a knockout tournament and then I had to change that because after Return to the Obra Dinn it became really apparent absolutely nothing was going to beat it <laughs> because it, it, it's not just that it's a really good video game it's probably one of the best video games of its type ever made mm. And it would take a genius, it would take a genius, or for something like The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time to come along. Like, it, it's gonna, you know, the only way I could see if we were playing it by those rules, the only game I think that probably has a shot in the near future of beating it would probably be something like the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Because I can't, I, you know, and it's, how, too, it's too good. And how annoyed would you be if you had to come here and say that a game that a lot of people is going to say is the best game ever made? you agree with them that's that's going to be a very annoying day for you if you have to do that but i don't i don't feel like anyone's going to be surprised that i picked over i mean Oberdin is also one of the shortest episodes of this podcast because ultimately it's just me and alicia going it's really good isn't it it's really good i like this bit i like this bit too it's really good like, yeah. there's no there's no there's no combat there there's no there's no debate to be had about how good return of the Oberdin is and if you're listening to this Buy Return of the Obra Dinn and play it. Don't even wait for a sale. It's worth full price. It's a it's an amazing, phenomenal game. I really, really love it. I will say that um, uh, for for people out there who are like me, uh, I I haven't played it, and I and I'm not going to pay full price for it because um, because if it ever goes on sale, you'd kick yourself. I mean, you say that. I think I bought. I don't. I know. I think I did get it on sale. Actually, I think I did get Return of Obra Dinn on sale. Well, then but it's I all would... right for you because you're laughing all the way to the bank. You're like, yeah, I'll get it when it's not on sale. But if you're you the one that Return saved the money. The Obra Dinn, if you buy Return of the Obra Dinn, doesn't matter the price. You're gonna laugh all the way to everywhere. I thought. Do you know what I thought you were gonna say? I thought you were gonna say if you buy Return of the Obra Dinn for full price, I will. I will refund you forty. No, absolutely not. No, I own Return of the Obra Dinn. I'm not buying your copy. Um, if, I, if I had it, if I had it that's where I thought that, this was going, and I was. If I had it in such a way that I, I really could tempted. lend it, if I if I had like a physical copy of it that I could lend, I would lend it to people. But I would also demand it back pretty pretty aggressively. Um, so that's it. That's the end of the list. I, I think we all now. need to take in. To... Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. been lovely. It's been lovely. Uh, having a chat I, with you, thank um... you so much for doing this. This took way longer than I thought it would. And uh, hopefully you listen. Yeah, and we nice didn't even get well. onto like we, we had a couple of. Do you want to talk about uh, so so it, has this been the sort of defining thing of? The... Hmm. What were you going to say? This is going to be terrible because I'm not going to edit this. All right, fair Go enough. On. I was going to say so. Is have has your gaming experience this year been defined by this podcast? Are, are there any games that you've not that you played apart from this podcast that you would say define the year? Very, very quickly then. Um, Psychonauts 2, I really enjoyed. 
Um, I finished mm-hmm. that fairly recently. I had my experience with that split in half because of my Game Pass subscription expiring and then me going, I'll wait until I can get a deal on Game Pass and then I'll buy it. Um, and then I did, and then I finished it. Um, Metroid Dread, fantastic game. Um, just a really solid and brilliant Metroid game, and that's a marvel, and I'm so glad. And I also recently beat the first Metroid this year. I beat the first Metroid and the first Zelda game. And you know what I can say with some confidence, Chris? Go on. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> They're so old now that they just really there's just better versions of them that already exist. That you just if you want to play the first Legend of Zelda game, play a link to the past. If you want to play Metroid, play Metroid Fusion. Uh oh sorry, Metroid Dread. These are both better versions exactly the same games, but better. Um so that that would be my assessment. I try to think I played some of Halo Infinite, but I love the multiplayer and I don't care about the campaign. That's is what I've learned with that one. That's kind of fair enough. Uh, Death Loop, yeah, which starts great and is just gently diminished to the point where I'm not even sure I'll finish it. Um, oh, okay, but it started great. I, I, apart from that, not much. I've got a few games on my radar from this year. I've not had a chance to play yet. I want to play Ratchet and Clank. I want to play Returnal, but I've not had a chance to play either of those yet. I have not got. By the way, I I wrote a couple of things down that I played, but uh, not a single one came out this year. Uh, my okay. <laughs> the list of games I played this year that uh, sort of like a, a, a list of five that I wrote down that uh, I played and kind of defined the year for me. Um, the most recent one was Outer Worlds. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, <laughs> God of is that, War. Is that, that's Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds. Outer I haven't Wilds. played Outer Wilds. Yeah, yeah. That's the very, yeah. Uh, God of War 2016. Um, I think it was 2016. Yeah, yeah. 2018, 2018. And that is one of the best video games yeah. ever made. Yeah, I absolutely I, adore. I didn't, and I, I had no love for God of War as a franchise until I played that game. Yeah. And, now I retrospectively love God of War 1 through 3, even though I will never play them. <laughs> uh, big game for me this year, Spelunky. Uh, first time I ever played it. Spelunky. Yeah. That's a cracking game. I, I have mixed feelings about it, but I can't deny the fact that I have spent so long we playing play it with Spelunky friends. We should together. Yeah, I mean... I've, we, should, I, I, we should get our Vitas and play Spelunky together. We would be the coolest kids Oh, we're going to be the school. coolest kids playing Spelunky. It's such a good game. Uh, Katamari Damacy, uh, whilst I didn't start it this year, I finished it this year and I... I, I played Katamari Damacy this year as well. Yeah, I, I mean... With um, big grin on my face the entire time I played it. It's good an for you. Fantasy, I, yeah. I found it really boring. Ah, oh, you are wrong. Can't do it. Not enough time. Move on. Uh, and uh, the big one that defined the year for me was, uh, it was the, this was the year where I played Bioshock Infinite. Oh, oh Chris, I want to do a whole. I want to do a whole podcast about Bioshock Infinite now. <laughs> I didn't know that was one of the games you never played. I, I, I played. I, I think to be fair, I played it before the podcast started. I think. Okay, that's another time. That's another year. We're, we're not year's, far. We're not far off the three-hour mark. Shall we start talking about Bioshock Infinite? No, no, no. What we'll do is next year's special will just be Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I would love to do. I'm going to do this. I'm going to say this on the podcast now, and then um, we will be doomed because we'll we'll have to do it, but we'll never do it. Mm. Is I just want us to both play all the Metal Gear Solid games and just go through all of them and then do a podcast on each of them because I just they're, they're so good. And I found out you hadn't played any of them. I've no. So I would I've ne- love to I've, do that. Yeah. I would love to do it, but we'll never do it. And now I've said it on a podcast. I also said I wanted to do a, Mar- uh, a Sonic podcast where I just go through all the Sonic games and force yeah. you to play crap Sonic games and then try and tell you that they're not crap. I mean, I recently, and again, at, at some point we may just have to stop the podcast and talk normally. I the other day bought Sonic Mania and started playing it. That is a very good game. Hopefully you'll enjoy that. All right. Thanks very much for coming on, Chris. Thank you. Any, any parting words to the people who've made it to the end of this monumentally long podcast? Um, 
if you want to hear parting words from me, that implies that you are just me listening through it, making sure it all sounds all right and I came across okay. In which case, hello, literally only me. Um, That's the end of this incredibly long segment. And what's that on the floor? It's a single tape that you need to finish the game. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. (laughs) Bye now. Bye. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.